This is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all sports radio station. 105.5 FM WNSP and WNSP.com. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim and Lee Shermanian. The opening kickoff. kickoff. Here are Mark and Lee. Another edition of the opening kickoff. Thanks for making us part of your morning. We're with you for the next three hours right here on the sports station. WNSP and WNSP.com. Good morning, Mr. Shervanian. Uh, Mr. Heim, it's a pleasure to be back with you for a second straight day on my four-day week. Yeah, are you okay? Do you need to lie down for a second? This yeah. is. And by the way, do you, I don't know if you guys noticed, for those of you that that are with us for a whole three hours, Lee and I start very formal most mornings. Oh, yes. Mr. Shervanian, Mr. Yes. Heim, and then it, it by the end it's like, a, a shut up, let me talk. That's exactly right, yeah. <laughs> we get the uh, boxing gloves on, and you shut up, and you don't say that. Yeah. What are you talking about? He's so nasty. And, and you know, and the thing about you know with Mark, he just keeps fighting me to do the scoreboard. I, I yeah. You know, he just Why can't I do it, yeah. Lee? <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> I want to hear the high pitched voice because I'm looking forward to it next week. Uh, we'll 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 get to that. All right, we'll get we'll to that, that when, later. when uh when, when the time is right. And we'll also uh, tell our listeners about our uh, fall preview party coming up too later. August. Well, I'll do it right now. August seventeenth. Where? Heroes on Old Shell, our fall football preview party. Anybody who's anybody, everybody who's anybody from here at WNSP is going to be there. And we've already secured you a one monster giveaway, a uh, recliner, $1,600 value from Barrow Fine Furniture. You're going to want to – I've already seen a picture of it. It's pretty sweet. Swivel the whole deal right in time for the football season. Details coming on how to win that, but WNSP – we're giving it, and that, yep. and, and, there, and there, there's probably more coming. There's yeah, probably there's more, more coming. coming. So we're working on um, that. Mark your calendar. August seventeenth is a Thursday uh, in the afternoon. I guess three to six. Uh, we'll be broadcasting where all the cast of characters get on the air in all sorts of different combinations, and um, we'll blow it out. Should be a lot of fun. Combine. One of those uh, chairs where you push the button to raise your feet up, or is this with the handle? You know. Uh, you know that's a good question. I think it's. Uh, I, I, like I can't either. answer. No, I, can, I like either. It's, I'm okay with yeah. either. Um, I I don't know the answer. Because I just saw the picture. All right. Well, we. But can, I can we'll tell you uh, do, do what I investigative report. I, I will that. get to the bottom of this. If you're a Houston Astro fan, you certainly had a wonderful day yesterday. During the day, during the uh, trading deadline, there were like 26 deals uh, taken care of, and Justin Verlander's back with you. You know, they had him during their World Series run. Uh, Verlander, and then uh, as a free agent, they let him go, and he wound up with the Mets. And boy, you talk about a disaster with the New York Mets still under 500 and trading off five of their players, including Scherzer. Now Verlander goes back to Houston. The Mets lead up a lot of that contract with their money prospects going back to the Big Apple. But that being said, last night, Framber Valdez pitched the third no hitter of the season. The second complete game no-hitter, the 16th in franchise history for the Houston Astros. And it was a 93-pitch effort, which according to stats that have been kept since 1988, because you know how I like to drop these stats around. He's the third most efficient no-hitter, 93 pitches, walked one, faced the minimum 27 batters. So Houston beats Cleveland. He gets a no-hitter. They get Verlander back in the rotation. You know what's uh, what's amazing about the Verlander story 
And this is where you and I are so different, which I guess is why people continue to, to listen to us because we're polar opposites. So you, as soon as the Verlander news dropped, Kate Upton started trending. Those that don't know uh, is the wife of Justin Verlander and, oh, yeah, uh, SI swimsuit ish, uh, model over the years. Very popular with every fan base uh, that, that acquires uh, the, the rights to Justin Verlander. But seriously, on Twitter, on Google, Kate Upton was trending. People dusting off their old jerseys, all excited that she's back. Um, serious power couple there in Major League Baseball. Indeed, they are. Uh, a couple of other, uh, I don't want to get too deep into these trades until we get to the scoreboard. A lot of guys thrown around, most of them you don't even know about, but two in particular. Jeremiah Jackson, remember him, Mark, at St. Louis? I do. Yeah, and we had him on the air a couple of times. He was involved in an Angels trade to the Mets. And the other one, the, the most surprising thing that happened yesterday, there's a pitcher on the Tigers named Eduardo Rodriguez. He's probably one of their best pitchers. And the Dodgers thought they had a trade to get Rodriguez to come to Los Angeles. He vetoed the trade. And I'm like, what? You have a chance to go to Los Angeles for a team that's in first place, obviously going to postseason, a chance to win the World Series, pitching for the lowly Tigers, who are either in next to last place and going nowhere. And the Tigers had worked out a deal. And he had veto power in his contract and decided, nope, I'm going to stay in Detroit. I'm like, what? Why? For the love of the game, Lee. That's why. Is for that love, what it is? For I'm love of the game. Here we are just 10 minutes into the show and already a movie reference. I, I'm I, just I, saying, you know, he, he's like to his younger brother, man. He's, he, he, he's got relationships. He's, he's, uh, he's established where he is. He's not chasing the money. Right. Or the ring. Kudos to you, sir. I, I don't want to go three hours on baseball, just two and a half. But don't tease. <laughs> so we're going to put that aside. The story that came out, I guess you worked on this, right? The Iowa State quarterback, Deckers. Ooh, he was yeah. supposed to be their starting trouble. quarterback this year. So there's a, lot, there's a lot of things to dive into this. He's one of four that are being investigated for betting on games, including a Cyclone football game, which he did not play in. And a number of bets he placed. But here's what really got my attention, Mark. So when he bet with, what is it, DraftKings or Draft, whatever it is, yeah. whatever he bet on, he was under the age. So according to the story, he had help from his parents. I don't get that. I, I mean, just think about this in your own household. If Alex came to you and said, hey, Dad, can you help me? Uh, you know, I'm underage, but I'd like to bet on, I don't know, McGill Toolin or whatever. Can you help me out? I'm guessing you'd probably say no. My first question was, you got a winner there, son? <laughs> uh, well, but the parents, no, I, I get the it. parents were like, so they were like, what, enablers enabling their son to do this? Uh, do they have the... Are they out of their mind? Yeah, so he he placed like 26 different wagers on Iowa State-specific sporting events. One of them was a football game that he was dressed out for as a sophomore. Now, he didn't play, but he was the backup. Um, now, those are the ones that he's linked to. Part of that report says the account that is associated to his name or linked to his name had approximately 360-ish wagers totaling over almost $2,800. But 
the one that the ones that catch people's eyes are the 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 um, the ones that are specifically about Iowa State sports. Now he didn't bet on any game that he played in, and he started all the games last year as a junior. But he could be uh, ineligible. I mean, this could be it. Well, he's backing off the program now. He said he's going to plead not guilty, but. He's he's backing off. He's getting away from the program. Yeah. I mean, I can understand. He's supposed to be their starting quarterback, or at least had, let's say, the inside track to be the starting quarterback. But again, Mark, I go back to this. He had to, he disguised himself. I don't know how you do this. He disguised because he was underage, but he had help from his parents. Yeah, it's it's very bizarre. Um, and here's the here's the uh, here's the bigger issue. All these guys and all levels that are kind of getting caught betting you got to believe it's just a very small percentage of athletes who are who are or do who are doing this right i mean not everybody's getting caught i don't know enough about online betting to know how do you cover your track so if you're if you're johnny q over at university x and you're seeing all these reports you're like oh damn i, I how do how do you how do you cover your tracks so that you don't get found out as a guy that put some money down on a football game that you may or may not have played for, uh, or even a baseball game at your university? Um, do the parents not tell him that this could jeopardize your career? Do the parents yeah, you not be advise him that maybe you're going in the wrong direction? I mean, I look maybe some of our, our, our fans, our listeners out there, can help me out. Do you, as a parent. Do you know of any that encourage their sons or daughters to bet? I know I've had discussions with my son when he uh, was in college, and I said, don't, you know, because <laughs> he told me a couple of times that he, you know, bet or whatever. I don't know how he did it. I, I've never bet, so I don't know the intricacies of it. But I told him, you're crazy. You're crazy if you bet on games uh, dictated by 20, 18, 19-year-olds. By the way, even though this is irrelevant to the story, that game he bet on, did Iowa State win or lose, and who did he bet on? Do we know? I don't think the details of that game, or which game it was, it was a, uh, it was a, it was in um, twenty twenty one, I think, something like that. Yeah, but twenty years uh, old, I guess he started, and, and as you pointed out, twenty six bets out of DraftKings or something like that. And I know, I know everything's accessible, and I know, I don't think it's just a, a small minority. Of people that are betting, I really don't. I obviously these these DraftKings or FanDuel's they wouldn't be in business if they only had a handful of people betting. Mark, I yeah. mean, I'm sure it's widespread, but this one just boggles my mind how uh, that the, the parents would be in a sense helping him. I it's, mean, why if they want to bet, why don't they just do it themselves? And it would have been, their... or better yet, why not if he wanted to bet, why not tell the parents? What he wanted to bet on, right. let, let dad open it. an account exactly. and let dad bet on it. Now, there would be pro if it ever got found out, there would probably be uh, just as much scrutiny. You know, Iowa State quarterback dad placing bets on Iowa State, right? It probably doesn't go over very well, but I don't think kid necessarily loses his eligibility, or at least there's some question of that in this scenario. Dude, I, I can't I can't see a world or a scenario in which he's he's the starting quarterback. Even if he did, you know, even if he fought this, I don't think there would be a scenario where you'd be taking snaps the next year. Absolutely, you know, I, I know we're getting on to that break time, but when we come back, I think we need to revisit what happened with the Pac-12 yesterday. On on the surface, it doesn't look good, but one of the reasons I say that I just don't know enough about Apple TV. 
Uh, all right, so we'll get to that. Also, Bryce Young revealed what his job was. He had a job in Tuscaloosa when he first got on campus, which may surprise you, which begs the question, which job did you have growing up or even ha at some point in your life that may surprise us? I know I might have a surprise or two for you. Um, we already know Lee. I, I have Lee's Lee's job of working in a sorority house is always going to be my oh, favorite. Let's go but, before that. But he's got another one, so we'll get to that yeah, too. Yeah, I got others before that. All right. So coming up today, John Garcia is going to join us at six thirty. Dan Jennings at seven o'clock. Bill Cameron on Auburn at seven thirty. Chris Stewart, voice of the Crimson Tide, at eight o'clock. And uh, you have a special guest on the Jets coming up at 8.30. Yeah, Rich Semeny. Boy, there's a lot going on. First of all, they, they open up preseason tomorrow night against the Browns. That's crazy. want to find out about Aaron Rodgers. Is he going to play? Should I tune in? But more importantly, too, this verbiage back and forth. Hackett, Hackett talked yesterday yeah. and said that Sean Payton, he didn't name Payton by name, but we know who he's referring to, the unwritten code. He Ooh. broke the unwritten code. There's an unwritten. It's like unwritten baseball. rules. I yeah, can't believe rules. it. And the it comes back code. to baseball. Yeah, All right, exactly. so we got a lot to get to today. You guys chime away in the app at WNSP.com. Here comes your scoreboard, your traffic, and your weather. We are off and running on a Wednesday edition of the opening kickoff right here on the sports station WNSP. Hi, I'm Vern Lundquist from CBS Sports. You're listening to WNST Mobile, Alabama. Six twenty-three. Welcome back in the opening kickoff. Mark and Lee, Triple G, all in the studios of WNSP. Mark, yesterday we talked about the uh, Pac-12 and where they're headed, and it's probably a disservice of me to come on and say they're gasping for a last breath. But yesterday's meeting uh, with the Pac-12 commissioner George—is it Kliakoff? Is that how yes. you say his name? Okay, he met with the leaders of the respective schools. And it's been a long-awaited plan, and what he presented to them is this is what I've worked out, a streaming service with Apple TV. Now, we know sports has been getting into you know Apple TV and so forth. There's a few uh, sporting events that are on there. However, here's the issue, and, and no decisions were reached yesterday. When the respective schools go back and take a look at this, and I don't know explicitly all the details – but basically, your money is going to be derived from subscriptions. And, you know, you see conferences like the Big Ten and the SEC bringing in millions and millions of dollars per team. Even the uh, Pac-10, or not the Pac-10, uh, the uh, Big Ten, I think they get about $31 million. And the Pac-12 now has to take a look at this. Like, are we even going to get that money? They're not on. They're not. This contract, by the way, would not take place until the 2024 when Southern Cal and UCLA are gone. So you don't have ESPN. You don't have Fox. Uh, you don't have some of the other cable outlets. According to this, it's just Apple TV. And can you, let's say, keep your membership happy? with a uh, a contract that it's based on subscriptions, which may or might may not uh, work out really well for you. But here's the other thing, too. With Apple TV, and I didn't know this until I read this today, 
they don't produce the games. So in other words, the Pac-12 would have to produce the games and and incur the costs. Pay the announcers, pay the production right. people. It, it's been it's been um, widely criticized in the last 24 hours. Um, and like anything that the Pac-12 does uh, seems to be have met with some resistance. Mark, um, here's the deal. Okay, I'm home on Saturday. I can I can go to uh, ESPN and watch some uh, SEC. Uh, I can go to I guess CBS now is and in two years is going to have the Big Ten. I can go to the ACC and and pick a game like you know all these services you're going to get you get about twenty or thirty games a day. I'm going to take my time to try to find a game on Apple. I can't even get Apple at my house. You could. You can get Apple TV. It's it's just like getting uh, for remember, our purposes. It's like going to Netflix or or Prime Video. But or you remember last year when the NFL went on Thursday, and yeah. I did have Prime. Yeah. But then when you go to Prime, it's not like you can just go to your remote and switch to another channel. You have to go back. At least with me, right? I have to go back to regular TV and sure. switch around. I'm not. I don't have the patience to do that. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> to watch a game between what Oregon and California or. Well, I I think. The question you have to ask yourself, and I'm not saying it, it changes your mind on this, but if 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 we were talking about the SEC, would you be more likely? Why you wouldn't like it, you would you would have to subscribe to Apple TV so you can watch your games, right? Yes. Okay, so uh, I think that's where Pac-12. This is I've always said, you know, don't I, I I put this in terms for writers, right? Don't don't write for the audience you have. Write for the audience you want. Don't broadcast for the fans you have. Broadcast for the fans you don't have, like the ones you want. Give your, that's why there's always we always talk about conference footprint when you talk about realignment and, and bringing teams in. I feel the same way about broadcasting. Why I don't like this deal is because it puts you in a very small box here and limits your capability as far as meeting or, or finding uh, new new fans. Um, and it's a subscription base. So what happens? Like to your point, if if it doesn't catch on, if if thousands or hundreds of thousands don't subscribe to Apple TV specifically for Pac-12 games, um, and how many of the people that are already Pac-12 teams or fans already have Apple TV? Are you are you? I mean, do you have? Is it pay per view? Like, do you have to pay for those games once you get Apple TV, or is it one flat fee for Apple TV? And oh, by the way, included in that, I get my Pac-12 games. Yeah. How do you keep Arizona happy now from maybe wanting to go to the Big Ten? And here's the other thing: What's the big gripe about Pac-12 games when it comes to voting, Heisman, all this? The games are late at night. Even if you get ESPN or Fox, how many people stay up? 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night to watch these games. That's always been the big gripe about Pac-12. They're so late at night. Now you're talking about going to a streaming service? Now, I mean, I, I personally don't think it's going to work. Um, but again, it's just another reason to question whether or not the Pac-12 will be a viable Power 5 conference. Some would argue it's not a viable Power 5 now. But it, you know, as, as teams start exiting and now this TV deal, I'd, I'd jump ship too. I'd be I'd be headed to the pack or the so Big Ten, Big Twelve, or ACC or away whatever. From the uh, Pacific Ocean and maybe move inland. Yep. All right, uh, John Garcia is next. Stay with us. We got some Chick Fil A for you in hour number one too. 
right, 632. We're back at it here on a Wednesday edition. Thanks for hanging with us, Mark and Lee. It's the opening kickoff right here on the sports station, WNSP and WNSP.com. And while we uh, work to get on uh, John Garcia from Rivals, right? I'm right, Rivals. John, of course, uh, recruiting coordinator has been with a few other uh, venues, but now with Rivals, and uh, we'll talk to him hopefully very soon, like right now. How's that? John, good morning. How are you today? Hey, good morning, fellas. Doing well. Great, great. Auburn, tell me why things are happening up there so well with uh, getting uh, decommits and commits to Auburn from Georgia and Alabama and now working on some others. And is this just totally because of NIL money? Uh, it, it's really hard to point to, to, to NIL exclusively as, as the reason why. Look, I think it's just sort of the, the byproduct of a coach who is a known recruiter who is now, you know, what, eight, nine months into the gig who has been able to build relationships with several key players. I think you, you look at Auburn's 2024 class and there's such a dominance within the state of Alabama, which was really the critique of the Brian Harson regime, right? Uh, so I do think that part of it is just the due diligence that the nine months of work and relationships that, that Freed and his staff has built. Uh, but the last week, you could argue, has been the greatest <laughs> recruiting week uh, for Auburn in, in maybe, I don't know, a half decade or, or longer, you know, flipping a Georgia commitment into Marcus Riddick and, of course, flipping the Alabama commitment in, in Perry Thompson. So you expect it on offense, but I think the surprise is that Auburn's defensive class is actually bigger and better at this point, although plenty of offensive targets like Thompson are, are set to come off the board here sooner rather than later. So as we look ahead to the Big Cat weekend, obviously very successful. Have you heard anything else from any of the other participants in Big Cat weekend that they may be committing to Auburn? Yeah, a few of these prospects have uh, commitment dates lined up while here for the next few days. You know, the headliner is K.J. Bolden, number one safety in the country, top ten overall recruit on Rivals. Going into his Big Cat weekend visit, really viewed as sort of a Georgia-Florida state battle with Alabama hanging around. But coming out of Big Cat weekend, he has been quoted as saying Auburn's in the top two. So the question becomes, who's that other school? Is it the in-state Georgia Bulldogs or is it Florida State, which is the school he calls his dream school? So Auburn definitely made an impact there. And he's got an official visit set to Auburn next month. So he's committing Saturday, but next month he'll be in Auburn regardless, he says, as his recruitment maybe uh, just continues to roll on even after the, the verbal commitment goes down, which is obviously great news for Auburn. Uh, and then Jalewis Solomon, another one coming off the board Saturday, two-way guy out of Georgia, uh, out of South Georgia, looked at as a South Carolina lead for a very long time. But again, the Big Cat weekend visit starting to shake things up. And some folks think Auburn at least closed the gap with South Carolina, if not overtaking them altogether. So there's no doubt that the event itself was a huge hit with recruits uh, across the, the southern footprint. Georgia, we've talked a lot about Georgia and the impact they've had on 2024, over 20 recruits and arguably right now the number one class. Is there any way any school is going to surpass Georgia? 
think so. You know, I think Georgia's got the combination of obviously star power and volume. You know, they've, they've already gotten, what, 27 verbal commitments at this point. Even in losing a five-star like Demarcus Riddick, you know, you added a five-star linebacker a couple days prior in, in Justin Williams. So every time Georgia gets, you know, notched down a peg or two, they seemingly respond uh, with their recruiting class. And they're still in it for a bevy of elite prospects that haven't yet come off the board. So I do think, you know, with K.J. Bolden on, on the block, with guys like Williams and still uncommitted, Georgia could actually add to its lead uh, with the number one class as opposed to somebody else tracking them down. So, yeah, I think it's basically a runaway because any of the guys who are maybe flimsy with their Georgia commitment, like a Demarcus Riddick, like a Logan Thomas, who flipped to FSU, those guys have already made their move. So it looks like the rest of this Georgia class is pretty secure. Uh, John, we, we, we've talked about Hugh Freeze here a lot. It's amazing how different the la the college landscape is or college football landscape is. The You know, the last time we talked about Hugh Freeze uh, having a, a, an unbelievable signing class was when he was at Ole Miss, right? And obviously we know how that turned out. But the landscape is so different and what you can and can't do is so different. If he winds up winning a, or competing for championships, are we going to go back to the last weekend and say this was the start of it all? At least from a talent acquisition perspective, I, I would say yes, because you, you're going to have not only did you have all the commits coming back, but yeah, the, the guys who are going to jump on board going forward were largely there that weekend, and obviously some of the biggest names have already jumped in for, for AU. So I think, yeah, you can look at that as a turning point. Big Cat was always a really big deal in the off-season recruiting calendar. It was one of the first events I can remember that a school hosted sort of a non-football recruiting event. And now, every late July, every school in the country hosts a non-football barbecue, pool party, some type of big cat-ish weekend event. So so it was already a trend-setting moment. But you couple it with, with Hugh Freeze, who has built this buzz, uh, and, and you land some big commitments on top of it. Yeah, you've got to look at it as the turning point. It, it's really remarkable because obviously the staff hasn't even coached a game on the planes just yet. So uh, I think that will be its own story in, in maintaining some of these verbal commitments. But for now, and winning the offseason and doing all you can do, uh, it's been about as ideal as it could have gotten for, for an Auburn fan. We're talking with John Garcia, Rivals. He's the national recruiting analyst. So, John, we spent a lot of time, obviously, with Auburn and Alabama and, you know, lately Georgia. Are any other SEC schools really doing a, a, a great job in the 2024 class that you can talk about? LSU has, has been trending up for several recruits. Texas A&M feels closer to that 2022 recruiting class. Not, not that it's going to be number one and a runaway number one, but they're competing for big-time recruits left and right. And I think they're in line to grab Terry Busty, one of the top in-state recruits here uh, going forward. So I think the SEC is sort of settling. Florida's done a really great job uh, under Billy Napier, similarly to, to Auburn in terms of winning the offseason. They've really hit the trenches on offense and defense very hard, and they have their own head-to-head -head wins with, with Georgia and Alabama. So I think those schools 
have done a really nice job of, of taking advantage of, of what the summer now entails, which is this wide open, you know, visit, uh, official visit range where you can go in and grab uh, and compete for a, a lot of elite prospects. So I think those are sort of the cream of the crop right now in the SEC. And now that the season is right around the corner, we'll see how much that has an influence on maybe tweaking this pecking order that, that stands right now. But a lot of these schools are pretty much, uh, you know, well over, you know, two-thirds, uh, 75% done with their class of 2024 because of, of the summer surge that we've seen across the country. I know fan bases get really excited. Our class is number one. Our class is number two. We want to be in the top ten. But how important is that now with the transfer portal? That's a great question. You know, I think it's about a combination. You know, we're actually – I just got out of a meeting last night at Rivals where we're – trying to combine our high school recruiting rankings with our transfer portal recruiting rankings because really that's the way to evaluate a, a roster and the new faces coming to any roster. So I think that's going to be the end game as long as the portal is this, I would say, volatile or fluid uh, in college football. And it looks like that's going to be the case for, for quite some time. So I think yeah, like anything else, you, you take all of those variables as key data points. I do still think you weigh the high school classes just a little bit more and I only say that because everybody's recruiting high school and most teams are going to take more high school prospects and junior college prospects than portal prospects but of course there are your old misses your Colorados of the world that are going to be more 50-50 and if anything lean more towards more volume in the portal itself so I think everything comes with its own context but you got to start putting these two groups together when we evaluate who is John Garcia joining us. Bring me up to date on Alabama. What's down the road for the Crimson Tide? Yeah, obviously a tough loss with, with Perry Thompson, but they've got a couple of uh, in-state recruits that are creeping towards uh, their own verbal commitments. And if you want to feel a little bit old, I just saw uh, Drake or Patrick Jr. has just set his verbal <laughs> commitment date for, I believe, August 18th. Uh, and Alabama just hosted him and offered him a scholarship. So um, Auburn, Missouri, a couple other schools are in the mix there. But obviously the legacy status, uh, you, you got to feel really good about Alabama's chances to bring in the in-state defensive back. So, yeah, Alabama's going to be just fine, uh, a program that obviously uh, does well in the summer but often relies on the traditional calendar, the season, you know, signing day, that, that sort of normal drama time to pick up their, their biggest commitment and it looks like they'll be in position to do so once again. I wanted to ask you, you, you and I have talked off the air. You're obviously, uh, I, I, you know about Sterling Dixon leaving a 3A school to go to a 6A school, uh, bigger classification. But from what you've seen in your travels, John, when a, uh, an athlete who's already committed or has been getting a lot of scholarship offers, does that really help help them if they move from one school to another for their senior year? Does it, is that what kind of impact does that have on their career, if any? I mean, I, I think from an evaluation and a, a 
competition standpoint, I guess you could say, hey, this is more of a validator of, of your, you know, of your future. You know, Ruben Foster went to Auburn High School his, his senior year and played a higher level of competition, and, and he was still dominant, right? So he was, he was like already the number one linebacker, and he just kind of held on to it. So, you know, Dixon's a very highly rated recruit. I think a four-star across the board. He, he's in our rivals top 250 nationally overall. I'm not sure how much he can up his stock unless there's something maybe schematically that Spanish Ford is going to allow him to do that Mobile Christian wasn't going to allow him to do. But he moved around all over the place at Mobile Christian. So I would imagine even if he does the same, it's not going to tweak the evaluation very much, but maybe, you know, give him a little bit more benefit of the doubt against a higher level of competition. But it's, it's certainly not the be-all, end-all in, in the evaluation game. So let me ask you this. Uh, you know, what we hear obviously are just rumors. I mean, I have no idea. I don't uh, quiz people about this. But you hear stuff like, well, you know, there was third parties involved, parents about transferring and things like that. But also, do you feel or do you know for a fact where college coaches get involved with this, that they suggest that a – a uh, incoming uh, student athlete transfer. Are you aware of this at all? Does this happen? It does happen, but it's usually for academic purposes. Uh, for instance, some schools, private schools in particular, have uh, scheduling that doesn't allow for December graduates. So in, in some of those circumstances, we've seen colleges sort of nudge the recruit to say, hey, we want you here in January. Your current school doesn't allow you to do that. Well, what can we do? You know, and you, and you sit down and talk about it, and you see a move, you know, to, to a school that does allow for extra summer classes or that, that early graduation. So sometimes it's that simple as, hey, we want you here six, six months sooner. Uh, so can you make it happen? Uh, and oftentimes the recruit uh, obliges because it's advantageous to the beginning of their college career. But that's really the most common involvement we see from colleges with the high school transfer game. Most of these coaches are very traditional and, and very much respect, uh, you know, the, the religion, the culture of, of Friday nights, especially in the Deep South. So normally they're hands-off unless it has to do with their roster and when a player can arrive to, to begin the career. Hey, great stuff. We always appreciate you getting up early with us, man. Tell folks how to continue to follow your coverage of all things recruiting. It never stops. Yes, it certainly does not stop. I'm on my way to a high school media day right now in, in Broward County. So, yeah, check it out, Rivals.com. Start a free trial and, and pick your favorite team and, and see how you like the communities that we've got built over there. All right, man. Hey, thanks for the time. You know we'll be calling soon. Take care, fellas. All right, man. That's John Garcia, ladies and gentlemen. Speaking of that, Mark, uh, Mobile County media day starts today yes yes. and tomorrow and we will have coverage uh tomorrow morning and friday morning all right so when we come back we'll have some chick-fil-a for you also uh a chance to win that also uh speaking of which bryce young had a job in in tuscaloosa when he first got to campus it may surprise you He, he took steps not to be recognized although he wasn't that recognizable when he first got on campus i think for the for um for the everyday student. We'll tell you what that job was. Begs the question, have any of us have jobs that may surprise you? I think we might have. We'll, we'll, we'll tell you that. And Nick Saban has bought a new property, and it's a monster. We'll get to that as well. Wrapping up hour number one next, Dan Jennings kicks off hour number two. It's the opening kickoff right here on the Sports Station, WNSP and WNSP.com. Stay with us.
This is Jordan Farley from the University of Alabama. You're listening to 105.5 WNSP. Roll time. All right, wrapping up a busy hour number one. Thanks for hanging with us. It is now time for you out there to take a shot at some fried deliciousness. Compliments of WNSP and Chick-fil-A. If you would, please give me the Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A. I could eat you seven times a day. All right, that's enough. That's all right. Here's the question. Yes, last night, no-hitter Houston. Uh, their 16th uh, career no-hitter. Framber Valdez, 93 pitches. Who was the last Astros pitcher to pitch a complete game no-hitter? There was one in between there where three guys combined. I don't want that one. I want to know who was the last Houston Astro pitcher with a complete game no-hitter prior to Valdez last night. If you All know right. the answer, 694-1055. Be, get, get you some. Uh, Dan Jennings in hour number two, along with Bill Cameron, Chris Stewart uh, in hour number three. All right, so Bryce Young was talking to Carolina Panthers media. I don't even know how they got on the topic. But it was revealed that – did you see the story? Oh, yes. yes. When yes. when he got to Alabama his freshman year, this was prior to NIL, that Bryce Young did DoorDash delivery. And he said it was right after COVID, so a lot of people didn't recognize him because he had the mask on and he would wear a sweatshirt hoodie. And he would only deliver uh, – he would only make doorstep deliveries where you know you didn't have to make sure they got it. You just left it there, knocked, and got out of there. It had me thinking. What are some? Are there jobs out there that you guys have had that might surprise us? Because I think we've discovered that there have been a couple that Nick have had that have surprised folks, and I know you've had one, at least one that has surprised me when you told it the first time. You talk about the the sorority. I yes. worked at? Yeah, but I didn't get paid for that. But it was still work. Uh, yeah, but there but were I, other there were other incentives. First, am I right? My first paying job not that it was much i was a caddy would that surprise Ooh, you yes 100 what am i 130 pound at the time maybe caddy uh on a couple of golf courses in new jersey so that was my first did they ask you which club to use or you were just there to give them what they needed i gave them what they needed All i right. didn't interrupt them i didn't uh get involved in that gotcha and then i had another paying job which i considered work and that was working in a hamburger place you hamburger dishwasher. Ah, uh, back in the day, were you scrubbing? Yes. Like you, okay. How about you? What was your first? Uh, my first, one of my first job, believe it or not, one summer my brother and I were construction workers. Now that we were like fifteen. Um, it was work now. Yes. I mean, we uh, yes. we di- did some demo. Um, we did uh, I did uh, I used a jackhammer. Uh, I was I was getting after it. We framed walls. We did some painting. Uh, I was a construction worker, so anytime there was a paint job indoors, we all went like, "Yeah, I'll go there." But um, that was that was my first. No. The other thing where I met my wife was actually at a place called FunWorks, which is basically, for lack of a better term, it's like a Chuck E. Cheese. Like I was the game tech, and you know, the game ate my quarter. I was like, "Really? The game must have been really hungry. Let me go fix it." Like I'd fix the jams, and I'd give prizes for tickets. You were in, like, the big rat suit. Uh, I did get into the mascot and got – see, FunWorks is a little different, but it had a big indoor uh, 
spacewalker, jumpy house, whatever they call them over here. And so I would get in there with the the mascot head on, and then like the guy I was working was like, "All right, everybody, go get him or whatever." And so I had to like I was jumping, but I had to keep the head on with my hands because it was gonna fly what off. Was yeah. The, it was, what was the mascot? I don't even remember. I should, but that was like thirty years ago. Do you remember? Uh, do you consider like a paper drive a job? I mean, a I paper route. Paper route. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah, sure. I did. I did a little bit of that. I actually that pinched hit. Me. I, I pinched hit for somebody and your son. No, oh, okay. no, he wasn't born then. <laughs> this is I, I just didn't know if that was a thing. No, this is ba- again. This we're talking high school, uh, prior to college, but you know that wasn't a. I think I don't even remember getting any kind of money for that, but I pinched hit for somebody. But the caddy was man. The you first need a one. new agent. For my dad for real. used to. I couldn't drive, and my dad used to drive me to the golf course and and drop me off, and it was okay. I didn't do much of it, especially when I was at the Ridgewood Country Club. They didn't. The old timers, they didn't really cater to having me around. They, you know, they, they saw me as competition and, you know, they, these guys had been around <laughs> the block for a long time and they didn't like the idea of having some Man. little snot nosed teenager maybe take a bag or two away from them. Hmm. All right, Nick. So, I like you, I was going to say, Lee, I feel like you, maybe throughout your life, you've kind of become what you at once despised. Letting a young guy take a bag or two away from you. Have you gotten to that point in your life? Not really. No? no not no, yet? No. Okay. You're no, not well, like those old timers? No. Well, I, actually, I would argue that I have the most surprising job history of any of us here right now. Of course you do. All right. What do you got? At one point in time, I was a local hero. Was that the job description? AKA first responder. I was driving an ambulance. That's the one that's lives. that did surprise me. We yes. Now you didn't actually save lives, but you drove the automobile in which the uh, authorized and equipped personnel could save lives. Did you ever I, do I mouth got into to the mouth? Gritty. Did you ever do mouth to mouth? Yeah, Nick. try to save somebody, Mister Hero. No, you don't. They have. Um, Equipment where you don't have to put your mouth on anyone's <laughs> mouth anymore. Um, but I have had to put the bag on somebody. It's like a fake mouth. Yeah, to help fake them breathe. Little lung. Yeah, and you have to squeeze the big. Right, right. I'm doing radio videos in here. <laughs> <laughs> it looks good so too. I did that. <laughs> I sold life insurance for a little bit. I remember he said that before. Yeah. How'd you do on that? Uh, was that I whole or term? Months. Both. What do you say? Was it whole or term? Uh, what, both. Really? You, you can get me in something nice for I a good price? I could also get you uh, some Medicare supplements if you're nice. interested. Yeah. By the way, did we get a winner? We didn't. Had some wrong guesses. Nolan Ryan. Wrong. All right, I'm going to give a hint. Was that a hint? The last Astro to throw a complete game no-hitter is back with him. And the enthusiasm should tell you everything you need to know. Uh, someone in the app, Triple G used to record his midget-only fans, buddy. No, I actually never was able to book that gig. Hmm. Overqualified? I it paid well, though. Uh, overqualified? Um, yeah, we'll, we'll call it that. All right. So ambulance driver, caddy, construction worker slash ticket giver. Worked at a Boys and Girls Club. You're all over the place. I worked at a Whataburger. Doing what? Flipping burgers. Flipping burgers or register? Oh, no, no, no. I was the cook. 
So if delivered pizzas, oof. could you imagine still Bryce Young rolling up to your house? Here's your food. Worked at a garbage so company. Familiar. You worked at a garbage company? Delivering like big giant garbage cans to people. New ones, I hope. Sometimes. Ugh. Dan Jennings is next. This is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all-sports radio station. 105.5 FM WNSP and WNSP.com. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim and Lee Shermanian. The opening kickoff. kickoff. Here are Mark and Lee. All right, just like that, hour number two, busy Wednesday edition. The opening kickoff continues. Uh, Mark and Lee and, of course, Triple G, appreciate you guys making us part of your morning. All right, yesterday's uh, big baseball headline, uh, the Astros, uh, Valdez, no hitter, third this year, 16th Astro, no hitter. And it followed on the heels of the Astros acquiring Justin Verlander from the Mets reunited with the Astros. So in the course of two days, uh, the Mets, where their general manager, Billy Epler, said, no, we're not doing a fire sale, got rid of five veterans, including two surefire Hall of Famers. To me, that sounds like a fire sale, but I know somebody who knows more about this than me, and that's Dan Jennings, former general manager of the Miami Marlins, and now with the Washington Nationals. Danny, welcome to the show. Good morning. How are you today? I'm doing well, Lee. Good morning to you guys. If if there's a Mets fan out there listening, make him feel good about what the Mets have done. Oh, Lord. Turn the page. Start a new chapter. Uh, I will tell you some of the kids that they uh, that they brought back in the fire sale that was not a fire sale, like Drew Gilbert and uh, Ryan Clifford, are some tremendous pieces going forward. Uh, certainly will be in the top 100 list of prospects, but it just didn't go as expected. I mean, they thought they had uh, they thought they had the makings of what was going to be an outstanding team, and it hasn't gelled. And so you start to move those guys, and and in uh, doing so, they moved a lot of money as well that went with uh, those two Hall of Fame guys uh, to their respective teams. So that's. Another aspect of baseball I don't understand. They're they're paying a lot of money for those contracts, and yet these guys are pitching for somebody else. I don't get that. Why are you paying somebody else to pitch maybe even against you? And, you know, they're still paying a lot of money. They're getting prospects. I understand that part of the game. You've taught me well on that. But you only went half a year. Obviously, you had expectations. And then Max Scherzer, somebody you're very familiar with, says he was told now that the Mets are building for 2025. How does that make a Mets fan feel about 2024? Well, I think, you know, there's always going to be cynics, and they're going to have thoughts of, wait a minute, you know, you guys promised us this, and we're now ended up looking down the line. Um, I, I think the Mets, I think the Yankees, they're two teams every winter that they will be in the mix for free agents, um, you know, no matter what may be said now. But you're not going to have the services of Scherzer and Verlander who, you know, when you put $43 million on the table for each guy per year, uh, the owner made a heck of a statement that, man, they're going for it, and these two guys are going to be the uh, – they're going to be the lead 
dogs in the parade. And I think you'll see both teams, you know, especially the Mets, will get back involved in free agency, and they'll look to bring pieces in. But I think now, based upon some of these moves, their eye is probably more set towards 2025. Most surprising uh, story come out of the trading deadline, in your opinion? Cleveland trading Savali, uh, who is the number one starting pitcher, to uh, Tampa Bay for a minor leaguer uh, Kyle Manzardo. And, you know, this guy, he's, he's got great numbers. He's, I think he's got like a 2-3 ERA, uh, Aaron Savali. And, you know, that, that central in the American League is a lot like the central in the National League. It's open for anybody. And uh, I was surprised when I heard that name. And, you know, maybe they feel like he can't sustain that success and they're trade, trading him at a high. Um, but it didn't, didn't feel that way with the return. So, Dan, I'm going to have to disagree with you. I think the biggest name out there during this transactional period was the one and only Kate Upton. I mean, hey, I think I think that's a great call. Uh, one of my sons and I were talking about that. Of course, you were. I think Kate was very pleased with uh, Houston. They liked Houston. Houston was just not willing to go to forty-two million dollars to retain her and her husband's services. And now, <laughs> with the Mets sending fifty-four million dollars, they're basically because you can bet he's going to pitch one hundred and forty innings next year, and that's going to kick in the twenty twenty five year now you're going to have uh verlander at roughly 20 million dollars a year or less and that's a heck of a deal for what he can bring and i think it showed yesterday when uh fromber valdez throws a no hitter man those pitchers now in houston can go back to being who they are and not have to worry about being the uh being the lead guy what I what I loved about that story, and I, I pointed out to Lee, is that the Verlander news broke, but it was Kate Upton that was trending on social media. I mean, that that's some serious star power right there. That's huge. Uh, that you know what? How about if you're uh, Verlander and you're that kind of pitcher and destined for the Hall of Fame, and you're not even the top earner in your home? That's tough. Yeah. Oh, sounds like Brady. All right. Uh, here's <laughs> the thing that surprised me the most. Eduardo Rodriguez, pitching for the Tigers, vetoed a trade to the Dodgers. Why in the world would you not want to leave Detroit to go to Los Angeles and, and pitch for a team that's going to be in postseason? So the only thing, he had a 10-team uh, um he had a 10-team waiver that he could be booked or reject trades to. And all I can imagine, Lee, is that somewhere in there, either he had family back east and didn't want to go out west, or the taxes in California he didn't want to step up and pay. But there was something that he put those 10 teams in. Certainly the Dodgers have an opportunity to go deep in the postseason, and as you alluded to, even play in the World Series. Um, you know, the player has that right. They put them in, and when you put in these uh, these partial no trades, I know this as a fact as a GM, you're asking for trouble because you can do a lot of work and then think you've got the deal in place, ready to go, and then the player through his agent says, look, we're rejecting this. We're not going to whatever team, in this case L.A. And uh, 
The only way you can preempt that is to go to that agent long before you move this player and have everything set and go, I need to know of these 10 teams who is a definite he will not go to and not spend your time uh, working on them because you do a lot of work and end up holding the bag. All right, from a local standpoint, Jeremiah Jackson, former St. Luke shortstop, traded by the Angels to the Mets. I don't know how much he's played in the majors yet. Does does he have a career, do you think? Do you know much about his playing status? I do. I actually uh, got a chance to see Jeremiah quite a bit, really, in the month of May. He started off extremely slow, uh, was hitting under 100, <laughs> excuse me, and uh, he came back on fire, and I saw him uh, May, and then I saw him in June, and I'll tell you, Lee, he's, uh, he's swinging the bat. This kid's going to be a big leaguer. Uh, they're playing him around the diamond a little bit in center field, shortstop, third base, second base. So I think they're grooming him to be uh, a utility player. Now, the Mets may look at him different and go, we want to get our hands on him, and we like him at this position. But he's doing very well. Thought he had made good strides, uh, you know, coming into the second half of this summer. And... uh, definite major leaguer and a good you know what it's good for him because he's going to be part of that 2025 uh, eyes on the prize that the Mets are uh, working towards. Well that's what they say but I don't know whether to believe him or not but let me ask you this Billy Epler their GM I believe he was with the Angels when they signed Otani correct? That is correct yes. Do you think they're going to make a run for Otani in 2024? I mean, I I think a lot of things point to that. They certainly took a lot of money off the books yesterday, even though they sent money with Scherzer and with Verlander. Um, But they cleared a lot of money from the books that those uh, Rangers and Astros will pick up. And you got to believe that relationship was formed, certainly was strong enough to – get Otani to come to uh, L.A., and I think that they will be in the mix. How much, you know, to be determined, but um, man, oh man, you get in the mix for that guy, you're uh, you're going to pay, but you're getting a unicorn. So, the most intriguing deals, of course, were Scherzer and Verlander. Wouldn't it be something, you know, the Rangers lead the Astros by only a half game, if those two wind up pitching against one another in September, if they're playing well, each other? I think that's coming. I think uh, I think both teams, both organizations, had their eyes on that. Looking, uh, you know, hey, if we're going to win it, we're going to have to go through Houston. And I think when uh, when Houston was able to get the money where they wanted it, uh, it was a great fit. And I got to believe that's probably the only place that Verlander would have waived his no trade to was to go back to Houston because, as we uh, had talked about, I think he and Kate certainly loved it, and they won a World Series. Uh, Before we let you go, Dan, we were talking about first jobs. Uh, I'm not sure if you saw the report, but Bryce Young told reporters in Carolina yesterday that uh, he, when he got to Alabama and Tuscaloosa as a freshman, he did DoorDash. Now, he only did, uh, and this was before NIL, clearly, but he only did, you know, uh, deliveries to door, like, he didn't, he didn't, he made sure it was just doorstop, door drops, but he wore a mask because it was kind of COVID anyway, and he had a hoodie on, so a whole lot of people didn't recognize him. It got us talking about uh, maybe our most surprising jobs. Was there a job in, in your illustrious career maybe that may surprise us? 
<laughs> you probably, growing up in uh, in Fairhope, there was a lot of jobs, working on a potato farm, picking potatoes. Uh, there, there was a uh, place out off of Highway 32 in Baldwin County that uh, uh, it was a chicken farm where they would raise eggs, and I worked there, and you had to wear these rubber boots up to your knee and walk around in uh, manure and one of the stinkiest, smelliest jobs ever. So, yeah, I've had plenty of those, installing insulation in attics and mm. uh, some, some jobs that you go, man, I better get back to school and at least focus half of my attention on getting an education and not having to do this. Well, that, that's certainly in the running. Now, Lee worked at a sorority house, although he didn't get paid, but I, I hear the benefits were excellent. And then uh, he was also a caddy. Nick over there uh, sold insurance. He also drove an ambulance. And uh, I was a construction worker one summer in, in New Orleans. So you're yeah, certainly in the, the ballpark. One of the, one of the funniest jobs I ever had was uh, in college we had a – catcher who had a bit of a gambling problem and uh, some of the people that he gambled with come for the money so all of us starting pitchers who were not throwing the next day we would run his paper route so that we could uh, help him collect his money and pay off his gambling debt well uh, with friends like those man who needs enemies Dan <laughs> exactly. It, it was funny. We used to have some guys come into our practices, and you go, those guys don't belong here, and they yeah. look kind of rough. But he ended up paying it off and uh, maybe helped us build some arm strength, throwing newspapers out the window at 4 and 5 in the morning. Maybe not strength, but definitely accuracy, right? Absolutely. Accuracy for sure. Hey, great talking to you, Dan. We appreciate it. Have a great week. All right. You guys, too. Thank you. That's Dan Jennings. How about that? Well, at least we didn't have to, your job, mine, Nick's, we didn't have to step into manure all the time. No. Um, not that I'm aware of, anyway. All right, let's get you a scoreboard traffic and weather. When we come back, Nick Saban's bought a, uh, a house, apparently. We'll tell you where. It's a monster. Also, you guys can jump in, 694-1055. Pac-12 appears to have its new... Uh, TV media deal. People aren't real excited about it, and I can't blame them. We'll we'll talk about that coming up. Uh, Bill Cameron will join us to talk some Auburn at 7:30. Chris Stewart at 8 o'clock on Alabama, uh, and we've got some details on our football fall preview, which we will share with you next as well. So a lot going on. Stay with us right here on the Sports Station WNSP. Hey, this is Slick Willie Shaw from the world-famous Harlem Globetrotters. You're listening to Sports Radio WNSP 105.5 FM. All right, uh, got some guys in the app sharing their uh, first jobs or... Most surprising jobs. Somebody in the app repaired grocery buggies, like grocery carts. Is that a full-time gig? Were you like, were you brought in to work at a grocery store and one of your jobs was like, here, fix these carts? Because I got to be honest, uh, if, if you worked at any of the places I shop at, you, you didn't do a very good job. <laughs> I'm sure it was years ago. Uh, someone said, try being the Easter Bunny in that hot costume at Bel Air Mall while kids peeing on your lap all day. He said he drop kicked the bunny head at the end of one of his shifts. 
That's good stuff. That that's uh that's that's quality stuff right there. I wonder what you get paid to do that to wear that costume. And how about have you ever, and you've seen this and they still have them people out on the highways. Uh, dressed up in these costumes, holding up a sign. Yeah, you, you're that guy that works for that electronic store, that furniture store going out of business, and they're like, hey, Billy, grab the sign. You're on the corner today. Right. You got to spin it and the whole deal. Plus you're in the a costume. The Statue of Liberty for some reason. Yeah, it, it's usually a tax place, right? It's got right. the Statue of Liberty <laughs> out there and just, man. Well, I guess most football, college football players don't have to worry about doing what uh, – um, Bryce Young did because now there's NIL to compensate him. Yeah, so that we started this whole conversation because Bryce was working for DoorDash as a freshman. Uh, so what about the Saban house? All right, let's let's pivot. Why not? Uh, so Nick Saban, according to reports, the Palm Beach Post is reporting that uh, the one and only Alabama coach has uh, bought a a seventeen and a half million dollar property. On Jupiter Island over there in Florida, which is very popular with celebrities. Um, it is a 6,200-square-foot house. Is that enough room? It was initially priced at 21 and a half, so he got a deal, nice. clearly. Um, it, include, it was renovated in 2016. It includes six bedrooms, marble floors, a floating staircase— a floor-to-ceiling glass wall, excuse me, walls, multiple walls, and it comes with a 40,000-pound boat lift. It's on 1.6 acres. Which is not really that much for a house like that, I wouldn't think. It doesn't seem like that much. But uh, Does it have like a workout room, a basketball court? It didn't court, get into swim, all of that. Swimming? It's got to have a swimming pool. Well, it's right there on the water. So, yeah, uh, but still. So guys like Tiger Woods... Uh, Gary Player, Greg Norman, Celine Dion, they all live in this, like, Jupiter. Wow. Uh, what a block party. Yeah. You think I wonder who will provide entertainment. Now, you mentioned Nick Saban, but do you think it was more his wife, Terry, that accomplished all this? I mean, then Nick, to me, doesn't have time to go house hunting. Uh, well, they bought it in the spring, so, I mean, right be- how how nice, you know, right before Italy. Let's Let's – Let's grab us another house because he does have a house in Georgia. Um, well, he's got that house, but he also, according to reports, he has that house um, in Florida. Because um, didn't the Hurricane Ian hit it uh, or it hit hit that area? I thought. Anyway, and he's been in that area before because that's where he and Dabo used to settle the bets. Remember the national championship bets were kind of in that. Um, in that I just area. can't imagine him being led that around by, Grand a, area. by a real estate agent, you know, having time to do that. Hmm. Hey, what do you, Nick, how do you think? What do you think about this room? Do uh, you think we should do something with it? Or It just doesn't strike me as the type of person that's going to spend time looking at a house like this. Not to say, like I say, I think it's more maybe on his you wife. You think it's just like, it. Terry, go find something? Yeah. Hey, here's hundred million. Go find something. Here's twenty million. Don't Which go is over just it. Just one point six acres. That's all. Yeah. Sorry to disappoint. I mean, it is sixty-two hundred square foot house. It's like five, six times the size of mine. I would think he'd want something that's less conspicuous. In other words, you didn't have people on top of him because. All right. 
at 7.32, welcome back in. The opening kickoff continues. Mark Lee, Triple G in the studios of WNSP. Quickly want to remind you, August 17th is our fall football preview party. It is set. We're at Heroes on Old Shell over there by South Alabama. Come on out and hang with us. All the uh, personalities and lack thereof will be out there. Uh, having a good old time. We want you to come out and join us. And up for grabs, uh, among the gifts and prizes we're giving away, a recliner from Barrow valued at $1,600, folks. You're going to want – it's perfect for uh, the upcoming football season. So thanks to Barrow Fine Furniture for uh, making that possible. And there's going to be more details coming, but mark your calendar. Yeah, we're trying to work on some other prizes, too, to go with the uh, – comfortable chair that we're talking about well certainly we've spent a lot this week on big cat weekend and how successful it's been for auburn and as you know auburn season tickets are sold out although there's still single game tickets i see for you know some of the games who better than ask than uh, my good friend bill cameron espn radio up there at auburn good morning bill how are you today pretty good lee how are you guys good so Explain all this excitement. I don't. I mean, has it hit you also? I mean, practice begins tomorrow. They report today. I, are you caught up in this, let's say, excitement hysteria about the Auburn program? And I wonder, too, if you could, is this because they're so glad to get rid of Harson that they do this for anybody? Uh, I think it's sort of a combination of a few things. We were talking about it yesterday on on, on my show, The Drive, uh, yesterday afternoon, that, you know, the folks that I talked to are looking forward to football season more than I can recall. Uh, you know, it's probably, probably only been three or four times that I can recall this kind of feeling. It seems like uh, a lot of times, even what Auburn is, was expected to be um, really good, there would be, there would have been sort of a sour taste in the mouth from the end of the year before. Um, I, 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 you know, I really sort of liken the way people are feeling about this. I would say most that are reasonable aren't going in with, wow, we're going to win nine or ten ball games. But it's like, man, we are definitely moving in a different direction. There's no question about that with, with, uh, with, with the, the, the players that Hugh Freeze has been able to bring in from the transfer portal and now uh, carrying over. I, I don't think anyone would have expected Auburn would pick up a couple of five stars before the start of the season. And that's, I mean, that's something that's, uh, that's you know, been a long time coming here for Auburn. But to flip players from Georgia and Alabama uh, here in the last week has been, uh, has been a huge lift. And I think that's one of the things. It's, it's not so much the season. It's just, I think, the future. Yes, they're not, they're not off the road and, you know, headed down into the abyss the way it felt like a year ago. It's just, hey, Hugh Freeze does know what he's doing. And there were some people that wondered, well, now that the playing field is sort of leveled and, and NIL is everywhere, did he just get players uh, at Ole Miss? Was it, was it questionable about him getting players at Ole Miss? Could he do it at Auburn? And the answer, I think, is a resounding yes. And that's what's got people excited. Yeah. I mean, it's just that, that Auburn's going to be able to compete with the Alabamas and the Georgias for players. And if you can, if you can get players like that, um, then, then you've got a chance when you get out there on the field. I couldn't agree with you more. I think you look back, uh, today is Wednesday, so you go back to last Wednesday, and I can't remember a week 
uh, here recently where Auburn has been able to recruit or get commits of this caliber, caliber, quality and quantity, like as far as far back as I can remember, you've covered this program a long time. Is there a comp to this past week that you can think of off the top of your head? You know, the closest thing I can I can uh, recall would be back when Coach Dye was bringing in, uh, when, when he had that class that had Tracy Rocker and Nate Hill and Ron Stallworth and Freddie Wagand, and, and it, just, it was on and on and on. It seemed like it was almost timed that every 24 to 36 hours over a period there leading up to the February signing day, they would, they would bring in one of the top players in either Alabama, Georgia, or Florida. Uh, so I'd say it's, it's probably been 35 years. Wow. Bill Cameron joining us, ESPN Radio. What strikes you the most about Hugh Freeze? Uh, he, he's very... Um, he, just, he just seems real. I mean, it's like there doesn't seem to be anything put on. He's he uh, he's very approachable from anyone, and and then he'll you feel like he's known you even you know. And I'm not talking just media. I mean, there's there fans that I've seen you know bump into him and he's carrying on a conversation with him for a couple of minutes, and the only thing that seems to pull him away is he's got to make a recruiting call. I mean, he's uh, I think the players really like the fact that that he. Is is approachable. He's he's making an effort to really get to know them, and and I think the fan base feels the same way. And that's one of the things that was a big problem with Brian Harson is just the disconnect that there was there. Uh, Auburn fans, I mean, uh, most fan bases are similar, but I do think that the Auburn fan base wants to feel a connection with the head coach. They want to feel like they sort of relate with the head coach, and and that's something that that Hugh has done. You know, we talked about. It, uh, talked about it with you guys when he was hired. That personality-wise, I think he is. I think he's a great fit for Auburn. The questions were, you know, is is everything going to be okay? Is is anything from the past going to be dredged up? And you know, guys, I was a little, uh, I was a little surprised that at, at SEC media days, nobody really wanted to get into that. It it made for, um, you know, there was actually more football talk than I thought there might be with you. I thought somebody. Uh, maybe outside of the state that hadn't had a chance to ask him did he really deserve to be back in the SEC would get into that but uh, I, I think thus far I mean there uh, everybody you know everybody's still there's still some people that didn't want him here but boy they're happy with the players he's bringing in so he's done everything right up to this point Are you uh, buying one of those new suites they're talking about I, I'm not there on the field Golly, man Are they on the field, when I saw right? that I went are you serious is it is it April 1st what um I can't imagine being in one of those. There's no cover on that. Uh, how hot is that going to be early on in the season to be in those? I understand that they're wanting to do things and they're going to be some renovations, and um, that, that has to just be a temporary fix. But I, I can't imagine that the two that they're, the, the big ones that they're putting in there in the, in the south end zone, you've got the big screen behind you, so you're not even going to be able to see what's going on at the other end of the field. Um, you know, I, I'm sure some folks will want to be on the field and get that experience, but boy, I hope that they get something else to take that play, to take the place of those things. That's, uh, that's, that, to me, that's not very appealing. Bottled water, maybe, in case it gets too hot? <laughs> Golly, man! I mean, just a fan—it's a fan, a TV, and a bunch of brick. One of the ones, and I won't mention the sponsor's name, but uh, one of the ones we 
about it. My co-host said, and I agree with him. It looks like a penalty box. <laughs> it's like that's maybe that's where they should put players. You know, if they if they uh, or or you know, folks folks, uh, you, you 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 get a flag, you get a penalty flag. Yeah. You got to go to the penalty box down there. Uh, very good. All right, let's talk football. Uh, I don't imagine they allow you to go out and watch practice. It begins tomorrow. But if you could, what would be some of the things that you'd be setting your sights on? Obviously, the quarterback battles right up there. If you want to start with that. Yeah, you know, it is crazy. I've never seen a thing like this, you know, with more than half of the roster uh, not even being, uh, you know, not even being in Auburn or being, you know, headed to Auburn when Hugh Freeze got here in, in November. But the crazier thing to me is I looked at it, and there are 21 players that are going to be out there practicing starting tomorrow that weren't even on the roster at the end of spring practice. So, I mean, there are a lot of positions. Wide receiver, I wonder, you know, how is that going to shake out because there's so many newcomers. You've added um, three more receivers since the end of spring. Uh, the offensive line, I, I, you know, I think we've got a pretty good idea there, but you add Jaden Muskrat, the second transfer from Tulsa, there obviously quarterback quarterback and the first big question everybody's going to have uh, the first question that i'm sure hugh freeze will be asked tomorrow is uh is jarquez going to be out there wow that's that, you know that's kind of like the over I, I would say one of the you know we talk about the quarterbacks and the competition but you're right people want to know about hunter and his status and i guess we don't find out until tomorrow whether he's actually going to be out there practicing yeah, well, we'll definitely find out tomorrow if he's there tomorrow. I mean, because we're going to get to be able to go out and, and watch him um, start practice. And, boy, I'm, I'm hoping we get the opportunity the way we did during the spring when there would be a scheduled 15- or 20-minute period and, and uh, you know, Hugh would just say, hey, you guys want to hang around for a while? So hopefully we get that opportunity. But, but yeah, I mean, there, there's not going to be any avoiding it tomorrow regardless of what is said. I mean, we're going to be able to see who's out there at 930 hey, tomorrow morning when practice gets started. Bill, I understand privacy acts and all that, but for, for it to continue this long with all the media outlets and all the Internet sites and all these reporters that nothing has come out, and what, when did we start hearing about this? About three, four months ago? That nothing has oh, yeah. been, there's been nothing at all? No, of course. But the thing is, though, it's it's not an athletic department uh, situation. I mean, if there's any question about Title IX, that's that's going to come from uh, Sanford Hall, from from the administrative uh, offices, and they, you know, they don't issue releases about that. So you just really don't know unless you know. And 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 if Jarquez, you know, is is being. Uh, if he's being investigated, then it's not wise for him to talk either. So there's really no way of finding out until we see. So uh, that, that's what everybody's sort of been waiting for. Fortunately, Auburn's got a good situation there at running back. I think Damari Austin was one of the uh, uh, one of the most pleasant surprises. Not really surprised, but, I mean, he really came on during the spring. And then they, they bring in uh, highly touted Jeremiah Cobb and, and the transfer Brian Betty. So they've got a pretty good situation there at running back, but there's no doubt that Marquez is the is the guy there in the running back room. So maybe if he's not eligible to play the first game or two, they put him in one of those suites you were talking about, penalty box? <laughs> maybe so. Bill, as always, man, we love it. Can't uh, thank you enough for joining us. It's uh, it's a great time to, to be following the Auburn Tigers, and we'll continue to do so. We'll be in touch. Yeah, man, it's uh, it's it's football time. It's blisteringly hot, so so yeah, <laughs> get ready. Hey, man, right, thank you. Yep. Speaking of.
uh, I saw something the other day. It got me thinking. Have you seen? So meteorologists will get on their broadcasts and they'll talk about how, you know, it's 98 degrees, but it feels like 107. Well, if it feels like 107, then it's 107. Just say it's 107. I'm with you on that. I, I, I don't get that. And and you know what? You, you reach a certain level, it's just hot. And is it is it what difference it makes 104, 107? It's it's blazing hot. Okay. And, and has there ever been and I, I need a meteorologist out there to answer this, has it ever been where the temperature was, you know, ninety two degrees but it feels like eighty four? Like can you go the other way? Does it always have to feel hotter than it is or can it oh, actually yeah. feel colder? How about like in Green Bay when they used to say, Well, the temperature's at the minus two, but it feels like minus thirty. Right. Yeah. So can it just be minus thirty? Could. Why isn't it just minus thirty? I, I did want to mention before we take the break, you know, we talked about Jack was Hunter and, and all that around him. Today could be a very important day in the life of Alvin Kamara. He is supposed to meet with Roger Goodell and discuss the possibility, I would assume, about a suspension relating to that fight in Vegas. As you know, the criminal charges have been cleared. There was a plea agreement, the apology, and so forth. But that does not clear him with the NFL. So today, now he goes in there. (laughs) (laughs) So today, let's say he goes to meet with the commish. Maybe tie and jacket or something. You got to look nice or for for Roger Goodell in New York. Yep. And who pays for that? Does yep. does the NFL pay for his uh, trip up there? And what kind of you know, you know, Goodell has all the power and everything. And how does Kamara go about? I think you bring a say? nice gift. You bring a nice gift. Oh, that's a good idea. Make, Make sure you hug him because yeah. Roger's in the hug. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So. Do you plead your case? Like, come on, give me a break. See, what had happened was it wasn't on video, but he hit me first. And that, I, that could be. Yeah. yeah, we don't know. We don't know. You know, the the Saints fandom in me says the man is innocent. That video be doctored. But now nah, he's he needs to sit. I wonder, you know, that's a good point. I wonder if I wonder if they have like TMZ video and that Goodell is actually playing it while Kamara is in there and said, look, this is what I see. This is what I do. This is what you're getting. I don't think he gives them that benefit. I I think he just says, this is what I'm doing. And here's how it is. Get out. Well, then why not just send him a press release or just send him a text? Why waste his time going up there? All right. You're you're going to plead his case. Does he have an attorney? I would. He better. And if he doesn't, he deserves whatever he gets. Uh, somebody wants to know when we're bringing WNSP is bringing back the female intern from last year to talk Auburn recruiting. Was that last year where we? It's two, a, I think that was two years. I ago. I think that was two years ago. Yeah. She is no longer. Uh, she it's left. amazing the impact that interview had on our listeners. That uh, she went on to bigger and better things. Yeah, she's been gone. It, uh, she went to. She's covering hockey now. I think is it NHL? hockey. Yeah. Um, Jana. Um, yeah, that. Uh, you guys will remember we had her on once, and we ne- we still don't hear the end of that one. All right, let's wrap up our well, number maybe we two. We should bring her back. Then. No, I don't. Back by popular. Yes, right. Back by unpopular demand. Uh, we'll we'll be open next segment. You guys can jump in six nine four one zero five five. Your your uh, most surprising or most most unique job, Bryce Young, DoorDash, uh, Lee Trevanian, Sorority House, Unpaid, Caddy paper route nick over there ambulance driver life insurance seller (laughs) Uh, i was a construction worker believe it or not Uh, and i worked at a chuck e cheese type place 
And uh, what else? Oh, yeah. Nick Saban's got a new house. And uh, oh, yeah. Apple TV might be coming to a Pac-12 uh, game near you. Stay with us. All that and more. Hi, this is Tim Brando of Fox Sports telling everyone along the Gulf Coast in Mobile, listen to the opening kickoff with Mark and Lee on 105.5 WNSP. All right, welcome back in. 7.51, it is the opening kickoff. You guys can jump in. 694-1055. Chris Stewart's going to join us at the top of the hour. We're also going to talk some Jets. You pulling in some major guests today. Yeah, uh, Rick Samini has been covering the Jets since 1989, since you were doing Chuck E. Cheese. Or no, whatever. that was before I had my first job. Right. I was only I was so, I was the ripe old age of thirteen. You know, we talk about the excitement surrounding Auburn football. Uh, we talk about the fact that season tickets are sold out. The Big Cat Weekend. Do you do you also remember a few years ago when, when we had John Garcia on talking about Big Cat Weekend? Do you remember when they took the limo? Oh yeah, here in Mobile. I think they went to Theodore. Was who was it? Was it Malzahn, the head coach then, or somebody else? No, I thought it was. Was it Chiswick? Chiswick. Okay. I think the big cat goes all the way back to Chiswick. Yeah, but this was when they actually the coaches got into the limo. Yeah, and Trooper and all those yeah, guys. And yeah, came down here. Yeah. Okay. So uh, there's so much excitement. Well, the same thing's going on with the Jets now. Uh, for those who have HBO, uh, have they already started Hard Knocks? I guess they have, right? And there's so much going on with Aaron Rodgers, of course, and. You know, the, the Jets have been so irrelevant. They haven't been to a postseason in 12 years. Well, they do start the NFL preseason. If you like preseason football, you get it tomorrow night. We're going to carry the game, by the way, on WNSP. They're taking on the Cleveland Browns. But then you got a sidelight going on now. For whatever reasons, I know you already talked about it. Sean Payton, for whatever reasons, came out and dissed uh, Nathan Hackett, the last year's Broncos coach, who happens to be the Jets' offensive coordinator and has worked a long time with uh, Rodgers. And then yesterday, Hackett broke his silence. He didn't name Peyton, so called by name, but said he basically broke the unwritten code of coaches criticizing coaches. Peyton supposedly said, I'm going to apologize, but Hackett says I haven't received one. But I, you know, I... I never figured Sean Payton to do something like this, to come out and just rip another coach and blaming Hackett for, look, we all know he didn't do a good coaching job, but coaches usually don't come out and rip other coaches. Well, even Payton alluded to, he was kind of still had his analyst hat on a little bit. But my question is, has there always been an unwritten code among coaches? We talk about the unwritten rules of baseball, but is there some unwritten code that you can't speak your mind about another coach? I think there is. I think coaches do refrain from doing that because who knows, you might be working with that coach in some capacity or, but I mean, and I'm not going to, I mean, let, I'll just play devil's advocate here. I mean, if someone asks your opinion and you give it, but what's the point of criticizing you take over the Broncos. Okay. I, I, I don't get why you would, 
you move you you play forward you move forward who cares what happened last year that's not your problem so right why, i mean I, why rip the guy i mean i get it i wouldn't i wouldn't do hey, what sean payton hey, well, did but the thing too they play the broncos this year the jets do yeah that might have been mentioned once or twice <laughs> october 8th yeah uh but that but my point is like why you know i, I say this all the time you know, we complain that these guys don't say anything, that they're all just, it's all just coach speak. And then we jump on them when they do say something that's open and, and honest. So I, I could, I understand like a Rex Ryan or, or any of the Ryan family, but I don't remember Sean Payton being like that when he was with the Saints. You didn't usually hear him go off on other coaches, did you? I don't, I don't remember. But I mean, there are coaches out there who you, like Bill Parcells, it wouldn't surprise me. Or let's say Rex Ryan. That, you know, I'd expect something like that. It's just, but you can't give a pass to the guys that you expect to say something like that and then then, then be right, critical if, of right, someone who, not, who you don't expect right, to well, say listen something. Listen to this. If you're going to do that, fine. But then don't come back and apologize for it. You, you've, well, you've he spoken. hasn't. <laughs> well, he says he was. But he says, I, I, I made a mistake. He's playing mind games. I mean, I, I, made, I made a mistake. Well, then what did you say it in the first place? That's what I get. If you're going to say it, fine. Stick by it. Don't come back and say, well, I made a mistake. All right, bring the analogy, Nicholas. Lee, what if you were to join a new show with a new co-host because this show's ratings tanked? Opening kickoff, worst show on air. You get a new co-host. The co-host comes in and he says, man, that opening kickoff, Mark Heim, he ran that show into the ground. Worst co-host I've ever seen. <laughs> Who said that? Would Me that, or the other would guy? Would that not boost up yourself and kind of have you thinking, you know what? You're right. That wasn't me. I still got it. It was all Mark. We're good. And so what are you asking me? Is what I do? I think that was the benefit of what Sean I, Payton did for the Broncos roster. It's not y'all. It was that guy. We're good. I don't so much see the analogy because you're saying another co-host, I'd be working with somebody else, let's say Michael <laughs> Bronner, <laughs> uh, and, and they're saying they're criticizing Mark. Well, that'd be like you're saying if, if Sean Payton was then working with a former Denver Bronco assistant or something like that. I, I don't – so, what, so he's saying that point? Sean Payton made those statements to let people in that Denver organization know, man, everybody that's here, it's not your fault y'all were that bad. It was that coach. So what he's saying in, in that scenario that he pointed out to you is you're, you're in here doing the opening kickoff still with a new guy. It wasn't you. No. It was the other guy. It was Heim that was just well, driving that so show like, into you know the what? ground. You're right. You're I, right. Can't, I can't buy into that at all because he, you, no, if I went – and somebody said that. Well, obviously, some of that blame would have to fall on me, too. Apparently not if you're still here, and I'm not. No, I'm talking about he said go to another show. Right. I, I would not I would no longer be here. No, you'd be here. I'd be at another show. No, he's saying show. you'd still be here. Oh, oh, is that it? Well, look, I've had a lot of co-hosts. Do you ever hear me on the air say anything negative about him? Not on the air. <laughs> <laughs> I, I may say something off the air that's right do you remember that's what we need to do we need to do leah podcast I, the I'm opening gonna, kickoff after hours right, i'm gonna tell you the, the mic yeah the, the one i i've never regretted so much leaving here and saying i shouldn't have said that but i will but. tell you we had a co-host mm -hmm. and we were talking about covering high school football Oh, I already know who it is. Yeah, you know who it is. And I'll say it. No. 
Say it. No, you're not. And the co-host. He's Sean Payton. The co-host said, I hate high school football on the air. And I said, then what are you doing here? You remember that? Oh, I, I were remember. You still, were you working here then? I was indeed. I was doing the afternoon show. Say his name. Say his name. I'm not. He won't. I will. All right. Well, then let's say it. Maybe I'll. Maybe that'll but be my listen, tease. But listen to the. But listen to the kicker on this. Eventually, he went out and joined the Piglets and started covering games for us. Do you remember that? That I don't remember. Yes, he went out and started doing inserts into our night games, and I'd be calling on him. So you know, things change. He's All right. He was a real. A couple hints for our investigative reporters. He's a real chip off the old block. <laughs> You're so bad. Uh, all right. Hour number two is in the books. The opening kickoff after hours. How about this? The name is the same high school I went to in my first two years. I think we got it. <laughs> Nobody knows what high school you went to. Chris Stewart is next. is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all-sports radio station, 105.5 FM WNSP and WNSP.com. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim and Lee Shermanian. The opening kickoff. kickoff. Here are Mark and Lee. All right, 804, hour number three. Thanks for hanging with us. It's the opening kickoff, Mark Lee, Triple G. Can you imagine if I had a co-host who came in and said, I hate baseball? Can you imagine how I would feel? Um, so we're talking hypothetically? Nah. Yeah, you, <laughs> yeah, hypothetically. He'd probably withhold all his Chick-fil-A gift card winnings. Well, that's why I have so many left in my desk yeah. waiting for somebody. Yeah. All right. Uh, Going to talk some Alabama football. They open up practice tomorrow. And, gosh, we're so lucky to have somebody like Chris Stewart, who's been hanging around Tuscaloosa for a few days, uh, joining us this morning. Chris, good morning. How are you today? I'm good, man. How are you doing? Wonderful. Uh, let's let's get – let's die. Oh, wait a minute. Before we do that, <laughs> let's dive into the uh, Bryce Young story and find out what Chris – so what was uh what was the what job did you have your first job or maybe most surprising job uh, during your illustrious illustrious career, Chris? Um, as you know, you probably saw the headline: uh, Bryce Young did DoorDash his freshman year at, in Tuscaloosa. Oh, I you know I'd heard he did that. I didn't see the story today. Yeah, but uh, can you, you know that's a that's a really good one. There's a lot of days over the last 35 years that I'd, I'd wish DoorDash had been around earlier. <laughs> first job, Chris, uh, first paying and, job. And, and yesterday, my first job, my first job that paid me any money, really, this is, this is, you'll get a kick out of this one. I, my brother was working in a, for a printing company at the time in sales. Uh, well, I guess I have to go back because I'd, this was just a fun thing he did after the fact. But I got the idea to go around to all the neighbors. Uh, I lived on a great little street, and I made a sign, you know, little handmade signs. I don't even know if I got them copied anywhere. I don't know if you could get them copied anywhere, but I made handmade signs, notes, that I was starting my own business called Odd Jobs Incorporated. Wow. And I was going to – for we had several older ladies in the neighborhood, widows, and 
I would bring newspapers. I would carry out trash, whatever, whatever they wanted, you know, whatever odd jobs, whatever. And fortunately for me, a lady across the street, God love her, Ms. Duncan, she funded my social life uh, probably from about the age of 12 until I graduated. So I was 18 years old. I would uh, I'd carry her trash out every week, bring the cans back up. Uh, she also had another home. Uh, and every three weeks, she would go visit that. So I would load and unload luggage from her car, all this stuff. Man, I got paid, I think, 20 bucks a week just as a regular job, which which then in the in the mid 80s. Yeah. Oh, I was making I was making bank, man. Yeah. I got to I got to go date every week. It was or if it was a dry spell dating wise, that was just more golf. Well, money. Wait, wait, wait a minute. You were, <laughs> you were dating at the age of twelve? Play at twelve. Not at twelve. You said at the oh, age of twelve 15. you started it's like, Hey Lee, don't uh, hate the don't yeah. hate the player, play hate the game. Uh I didn't say I didn't have girlfriends. I just said I didn't date. All right. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. So anyway, no that that was the first job was was my own business, Odd Jobs Incorporated. All right, so I got to ask you about your brother. Did he work for Dunder Mifflin or what? No, he did not. He would have, and he would not have been Dwight Schrute. He would have been Jim. Of course, there is no question. He would have been Jim, but he he made for Christmas. He made me business cards. And uh. I had my own business card at age probably thirteen. <laughs> Odd did- Jobs Incorporated. It was awesome. <laughs> what does your business card read today, Chris? Oh, good question. Let's look. Alabama Chris Radio Stewart, Network. Chris Stewart, Crimson Tide Sports Network. It's got the address, phone number, and email. And as I say, I've got the Crimson Tide Sports Network uh, circle logo around the A on the left side of the card so that if I distribute that to people or friends or whoever that are not Alabama fans, they can feel free to tear off the left side of the card and still have the business aspect on the right if they don't want the wow. the Bama part of it on there. Somewhere, so it's, it's functional for everybody. That, that's that's thinking ahead. You need to maybe somewhere on the back and just say, uh, you know, founder of OJI since, since 1980-whatever. Well, if you've ever dealt with printing, you know there's additional costs for uh, double-sided, so we're not going to go that budget yet. Chris, for the uh, (laughs) football fans who want to hear what you have to say about practice starting tomorrow, check off some of the uh, priorities as as you look at it, starting with the quarterback position. Yeah, I think that's – look, they're not going to have that decided tomorrow, this week, next week. Uh, That's going to be – that you know they they will have a, a number of scrimmages before then and and uh, and we'll see how that sorts out. I do think it'll be among you know the three, the Notre Dame transfer, the two that were in house, the the veterans. So I think that that's what will ultimately it will be. But again, I don't get a vote. I will be around Coach Saban today, his annual Knicks kids uh, luncheon, where he and Miss Terry. Uh, are able to it's it's their favorite day of the year as they say it because they uh, after the next kids charity and foundation has been raising funds throughout the course of the year and doing various projects of their own they give back checks to a number of different I don't know how I've forgotten the amount of money that's been distributed to various charities uh, over the years since they have come to Tuscaloosa but it'll be sizable and the 
the zone at uh, the north zone at Bryant Day is going to be packed because they will be um, having organizations represented from literally all over the country, and but primarily in the state of Alabama that that they will give back to. So I'll be around him today for that as I see that event, and and uh, he always says it's his favorite day because it's the chance to give those checks out, but it's also the last day without there being football practice. Wow, so, so they'll go they'll go to work tomorrow, and I think you know trying to shore up. Uh, exactly what the pieces will look like on the offensive line is is another part of that, which obviously is going to impact quarterback. The, the great thing, as we've talked about in the last few weeks, guys, is the fact that they're not, you know, it's not like this is void of talent. You know, they they are going to be fine in terms of personnel. I think it's just a matter of identifying who that's going to be at some key spots. And running back is certainly one of them, but man, they're in a uh, they're in a good spot in terms of depth there, as well as as talent as good as anywhere in the country. Indeed. So, will Nick actually hold a press conference today, or do you you he, introduce yeah, him? Yeah, beforehand. Well, to clarify, he will talk to the media when he first gets to um, the stadium and when he first comes in. But virtually all of those questions in that setting they ask, I think they're that they're tied to the to the charity itself, and he wants to spend that time. He may have a comment about the fact that practice does start the next day, but most of that little media gathering is about the charity itself, and then he'll hold, ah, uh, gosh, guys, it may be tomorrow that he holds his first, you know, media uh, event concerning the fall camp and man it'll be i'm thinking three weeks maybe that we tape this television show we always do that a couple of weeks before the first game and so it can run you know the week uh the the weekend uh before the first game are you so a, it'll be uh coming up soon are you a student of practice in other words do you go out there with a mindset no. <laughs> okay that is, i'm sorry yeah. about that look man uh, and, and I don't mean that. I didn't mean to cut you off. I'm no, no, I, I understand where you're coming from because I'm not. I, I'm not one for yeah. evaluating practices, and I usually stayed away from them uh, when in my day. I, I was wondering if you go out there right. and take notes, or or if you just go out there just to correspond players with numbers. Sure, there there is some of that. There's stuff that I'll watch on film, and and it'll help you. Part of the problem is, and you know this. They, there are key guys that even the week of the first game they'll change they'll change numbers, uh, you know. And now you've got all the double number stuff, and and so that can be uh, challenging as well. So that's those are all those are all tough things. But yeah, and look, I will see things from practice. I'll go to scrimmages, uh, but I'm not one that's there every day. I'm not gonna. You know, pretend that I that I break down everything that happens in practice because I don't. It's just at this stage, career-wise, there's um, you know what you need to know, and especially because of the way the broadcasts are and the way they they kind of work, um, there's not the level of benefit to me now that there would have been earlier in my career, especially when you're able to have access on your phone to so much information and so many things you need to see related to what you were just talking about. Like, you know, it, it used to be if you wanted to, to 
know the things you're talking about. You had to be there at practice. You had to be um, there all the time, or you'd have to wait the next day to read it in the paper, and you might, you know, you might get a couple of articles. Well, there's a ton of info that's available at our fingertips now. Yeah, so but it's, as a it's play, just a different deal for me. As a play-by-play announcer, though, you, you, the, and you know this, the main things are to keep the audience on the score, the time remaining, score where the ball is and everything. Score yeah, time down and distance. Exactly. That, that's our main job, or was my main job as a play-by-play announcer. I didn't ever feel sure. that I had to analyze. Now, when I started out uh, with this radio station in New Brunswick, they actually had me on the Rutgers broadcast team as the commentator. Well, my gosh. So I would call the defensive yeah. coordinator and the offensive coordinator each week just to help me, to, mm-hmm. you know, to give me some sure. ideas on stuff like that because I, I wasn't yeah. a student of the game. No, I understand. And that's, you know, I've had those roles earlier in my career as well. And 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 you try to educate and the listener, the audience as best you can, but we're not able to do it from a – from an analyst perspective and we have that you know with our network i don't have to that's not my responsibility again my job is to tell you score time down and distance and hopefully entertain you a little bit in the process and and i'm giving you more than that of course we're talking storylines as time allows but there's not a whole lot of time and nothing once that ball is in play there is nothing more important than score time down and distance so that's what i try to make sure i give over and over and over again to a radio audience. He's Chris Stewart of the uh, Crimson Tide Sports Network and owner and operator of Odd Jobs Incorporated. Speaking of which, I'm always yeah. looking to help a guy out. I got a new neighborhood that you might want to incorporate into your business. Uh, it appears Nick Saban has bought a um, $17.5 million beachfront home on Jupiter Island in Florida. I'm thinking there might be some potential in that market. I'm going to guess the trash is being handled in those neighborhoods <laughs> and the newspapers, the newspapers aren't thrown with the frequency that they once were. Well, that, that much is true. And, uh, and, and there's already people handling the bags. I'm sure you got to so, evolve. You got to find your niche, man. There's got to be something yeah, you could do. You're right. Uh, I'm, uh, uh, what was going back to your Dunder Mifflin deal was, uh, Limitless paper in a paperless world. Yeah, that's me. Yeah, that's with, that's a great uh, call. Dunder Mifflin. Chris, I got a hypothetical question for you. All right. Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Thanks a lot. We'll go get me ready for Coach Saban today. Throw a hypothetical. Yeah, flag. here's the no. It's it, it's you're right. It, it's not so much talking to him today, but I've often wondered because you brought it up about you know there's three quarterbacks in 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 the mindset that are looking to be the number one quarterback, and how many times. Do we see coaches say, well, I want to name the, the quarterback by, you know, second or third week. But in many times they don't. A lot of them just wait till the game day, right? I'm wondering, and if you were the coach of a team, would you find it, even if you knew who the starter was, just to hold off naming the, the number one starter until, let's say, the day before the game or right up to the game so as not to give – you know, the opposing team, that opportunity to prepare. I don't, I, hypothetically speaking, what, what would you prefer? Uh, I'd like to have Bryce Young and just let everybody know that this is the stud I'm about to roll out. Uh, I think in it really depends. I think if you're not sure of what offense, or I shouldn't say what offense, but if you, um, 
if you have one guy who is clearly a, uh, a more running quarterback as opposed to a passing guy, and, man, I'm, you know, a real coach would probably just laugh at stuff I'm saying right now and go, what an idiot, uh, as most people do. But uh, I, I think if there's a marked difference in what the two quarterbacks do, you probably hold off because you're not giving – you don't want to give um, – an advantage in terms of preparation. But if you're running the same thing and if the quarterbacks are similar in terms of what they do and what you're going to ask them to do, then I don't know that it matters all that much. And by the way, just because I name a quarterback doesn't mean that I'm not lying. You know, we could throw the other guy. We could we could swear that quarterback A is the guy and I roll B out there on game day. What You know, what's – so – that's my prerogative. I'll, I'll go Bobby Brown on a man. It's my prerogative. Uh, so we'll, we'll uh, explain that one to Lee for me, uh, will you, Mark? Yeah, don't be, uh, don't be cruel, Chris. Don't be cruel. I won't be cruel, exactly. <laughs> I've been ticked at him ever since he messed up Whitney. But anyway, yeah, yeah. Um, it is a, it, it's a, it's a deal where, you know, to me, if you're having to play games in that regard, chances are you're not overly confident who you're going to run out there, period. Chris, we appreciate it as always. Great stuff. Hey, enjoy the day today. I know it's going to be a big one, and we'll be in touch. Look forward to it. Thank you, guys. Appreciate you. Yep, that's Chris Stewart, ladies and gentlemen. Crimson Tide Sports Network never disappoints. All right, uh, I think we're going to bail on the scoreboard. We went a little long. Yeah, all right. If that's if you're going to be mean about it, all right. All right. I think it was cruel. Cruel. Don't be cruel. Don't be cruel. Don't be cruel. That's a Bobby Brown song, by the way. That He made a Bobby Brown reference. He wanted me to explain it. That was Elvis's song, Don't Be Cruel. Did Elvis do a Don't Be Cruel? Yeah. And, and Bobby, be cruel. Bobby Brown just perfected it? Two heart that's That's something. it? Hey, he's don't it. be cruel, because I was never that cruel to you, or something like that. Uh-uh-uh-oh. Not even close. Nick did a better job. All right, well, we'll play both when we come back. Do we Do we have that capability? No. <laughs> <laughs> The opening kickoff, traffic and weather, stay with us. Get your mic. Hi, I'm Michael Pierce, NFL defensive tackle. When I'm in the city of Mobile, you can normally find me at WNSP 105.5. It's 826. Welcome back in the opening kickoff. Reminder, the fall football preview party is set. Mark your calendars. August 17th, we're at Heroes on Old Shell, our yearly party. It's going to be another good one. Come on out and see all the fine folks and everybody else here at WNSP. We look forward to uh, hanging with you guys. And we will have among the prizes a recliner. Valued at $1,600 thanks to the fine folks over at Barrow Fine Furniture right there on the I-65 service road. So thanks to Barrow uh, Fine Furniture for uh, for uh, the big gift. I've seen a picture of this thing. It swivels, reclines. Good stuff. I mean, perfect, perfect for the start of the football season. Give you back massages. Well, I think you got to pay extra for that one, right. Cotton. So... I will say this, great location, Westmobile. 
You you're just a fan of Westmobile in general. You get into uh, real estate. You trying to pitch me on moving out there? It's not a bad idea. I don't know where you live, so I I, I wouldn't really say that. Uh, where do you live? Are you are you not, are you in this area here or where? I think I'd give that information up that easily. <laughs> Generally, got to buy him dinner first. Jeez. I'm thinking he lives in the general vicinity, based on the time in which he gets here. Let me ask you this: Do you actually live in a place that has a roof over your head, or you just kind of mill around at night? Good one. Good question. Define roof. <laughs> Something over your head at yeah. night in case it rains. Like a lot of my jokes in Lee, like yes. right over his head. All over my head. Yeah, I got uh, four umbrellas. That helps. Now he's Rihanna over there. No, I'm not trying to <laughs> talk him to going to Westmobile. I'm just saying from a location standpoint, for Mark and I, it's a little bit closer than the other heroes downtown. Heroes is a great location. Big, wide open floor plan. I love we've done our we've done our preview Parking party lot. out there before. Parking like lots big yes. area. Yeah, it's great. It is. Love that location. It's fantastic. Where, we, where are we gonna be set up at? On the porch? In the past, inside. I mean we've been inside. We've been in inside past. in the past. We've been inside. I would suggest inside. We don't. We don't want to be out. You know, we, we don't. We don't want to be out in that 98 degree weather when it feels like 107. So, still, someone has to explain to me if it feels like 107. How is it not 107? If it's a negative 10 with the wind chill, it's not three degrees. It's negative 10. Are you stepping on the meteorologists again in this market? No. That's a, that sounds like a real blast at them. At the at the local local. I know. I think that's an industry wide issue that needs to be corrected. I wonder if when you're in meteorology school, if they teach you that, always give them more Step than one, they want. Give the temperature. Yeah, Step instead two, of the temperature, give it like on the exam. How? What is the temperature? And for extra credit, what does it feel like? Yeah. You meteorologists, we should get one on. We should talk about this. I used to work with one. Should we call him? Sure. You know how something feels subjective to each person individually? Yeah. Maybe it doesn't feel. Oh, I see where you're going with that. All right, 8.32, welcome back in the opening kickoff. Mark, Lee, Triple G, we're all in the studios of WNSP. Thanks for hanging with us. You are promoting uh, events coming up. Uh, Pigskin Pete's got his first show tomorrow night, followed by preseason football, the Jets and the Browns. There's a lot of excitement surrounding the Jets, and somebody who knows a lot more about the Jets, although I covered the Jets way before Rich Semini was involved. I covered them back in the uh, 60s when you're they so, were the Titans. You're so competitive. Rich, do you remember those days, the Titans and the wooded quarterback and the, when they played in the polo grounds? Uh, I can't say I remember <laughs> firsthand, so you got me beat on that one. You definitely covered them earlier than I did, than I, I did but, but uh, I've heard some stories, yeah. Back in the days when Harry Wismer owned the team, and they were lucky to have about a thousand people show up. And uh, anyway, I won't get into that because there's a lot of excitement. Rich Semini, by the way, uh, ESPN reporter for the Jets, has been doing this since 1989. Is this the best Jets team that you've seen to this point? They haven't played a game yet, but that there's a chance they can actually make postseason now. I mean, do you feel really good about it? It's not the it's not the best Jets team. Uh, by a long shot that I've covered. I mean, 12, 12 years ago, I mean, when they made the, uh, the AFC championship game back in uh, 2010 and uh, 09, 
I mean, that defense was incredible. I mean, they had the number one defense in the NFL. This one is a pretty good defense. Uh, back then, they didn't have a Hall of Fame quarterback like they do now, so uh, there's potential for this group. But there's still some questions around the team. This is a very shaky offensive line. I don't know how well they'll be able to protect Aaron Rodgers. But it's I, I think in terms of, like, attention, exposure, and buzz around the team, it's probably at an all-time high. So let me ask you this. For tomorrow night, does Aaron Rodgers play at all, do you think? I think Aaron's goal tomorrow night is to be calling some plays from the sideline. Uh, he's going to be wearing a headset, and he said he'd like to call some plays, but he will not step foot between the white lines. I can guarantee that. He is. He probably won't play at all in the preseason. Well, let me take that back. There's, he says he'd like, he wouldn't mind playing in the preseason, but if that happens, it's going to be the final preseason game against the Giants just for a quick tune-up, but he will not play tomorrow night. Uh, Zach Wilson will start. I'm curious, uh, as long as you've covered this franchise, do you do you like the, the buzzy kind of off-the-field stories? I mean, you just mentioned two quarterbacks that dominated headlines for everything that kind of go off, going off the field, or would you prefer it just be about football? No, I mean, look, we're we're all journalists, so as a journalist, you want to cover the big story, and the Jets are a big story right now. So, I, I think it's it's good. I mean, it it kind of reminds me of 2010, just because of the hard knocks factor. Back in 2010, they were in hard knocks, and now they're being filmed for it. The first show, uh, first episode is next Tuesday, and so that there's a similarity there. But, no, I covered bad. There's nothing worse than covering a bad and boring team. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to cover a bad team, at least make it, like, dramatic, you know, like a train wreck. You know, people sure. like train wrecks. You can't you can't take your eye. And I've covered plenty of those, believe me. I mean, again, I covered a 1-15 season. I covered a 2-14 and 14 season. So I've covered the train wrecks. Um, the worst team you could cover is, like, a, a middle-of-the-road 500 boring team. This team will not be boring this year. <laughs> I don't know how many games they're going to win, but they will absolutely not be boring. So as a journalist, we appreciate that. All right, Rich, so let me ask you this one. Will Nathaniel Hackett and Sean Payton be swapping Christmas cards this year? Yeah, I can pretty much guarantee that that's not going to happen. I, I don't even know if they'll – I don't even know if Hackett would pick up the phone if Payton calls to apologize. Uh, uh, Payton – said he was going to call and apologize as of yes i asked nathaniel Hackett yesterday i said have you gotten that call he's like nope i go do you expect that call he's like nope <laughs> so uh yeah there's going to be a chill in the air in denver in the rocky mountains in week five and that'll be uh, again uh, a fascinating uh, event to cover rich so many joining us i really appreciate this the espn reporter for the jets so hackett mentioned this unwritten code that Peyton apparently broke. Were you even aware that one existed? Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, coaches usually don't criticize other coaches. Um, you know, they may do it behind their back, you know, like in casual conversations or sitting in a bar with friends over a beer or something like that. But usually, I mean, you never, ever see a coach publicly on the record criticize a, a colleague to that degree. So I think everyone was kind of taken aback by it. And yeah, you, you, like Hackett, he described it pretty well. You know, he coaches basically live in glass houses and 
But uh, it happened, and he he, did, he was not surprised. He expected it to come from Peyton. Probably he thought it would wait until, like, during the season. But it happened, and uh, the Jets have rallied around Hackett. Maybe, maybe yeah. it was like a galvanizing thing for the Jets. They've seemed to rally around their coach. So it'll be fun in week five for sure. Is it is it possible, and I'm, we're – Talking, we're speculating here, which is kind of what we do. But is it possible that Sean Payton's goal there was trying to let everybody in his organization know, hey, we're moving forward. Everything that went wrong last year was really nobody's fault that is currently here, and we're moving forward. And maybe he just he went too far. He just he uh, he, he took it one step too far with his comments. Yeah, I mean, I don't know Sean Payton personally, but I know. Guys like he, he's very close to Bill Parcells. They yeah. talk very often. I know Parcells pretty well. Uh, every time a, they speak, these coaches speak publicly. There's there's a method. There's there's a purpose to every word they say. And no doubt, Sean Payton was trying to send a message to a Russell Wilson, you know, that he had his back and and is trying to rally people around Russell Wilson, and you know, and maybe for the organization as a whole. You know, saying, hey, look, last year's over. It was a disaster. Um, I'm going to change things. So, however, you know, for there, there are some left holdovers in that organization, including the general managers. So that probably didn't sit well with him. He was part of that disaster last year. So I'm, I'm curious to see how that plays. So there might be some, uh, some raw feelings, you know, from some people in the organization who were uh, holdovers from last year's disaster. But, uh, yeah, no doubt, uh, these are not off-the-cuff remarks. These are measured comments. Probably took it too far. He apologized publicly. But people don't forget. Rich, let me ask you, you brought up hard knocks. Uh, I don't get HBO, so I can't watch you know these episodes, but uh, you're you're on the field. Uh, if you give us some insight, I, I know originally the team or they, we heard that they weren't too excited about it. But how have they embraced it? Does the Peyton Hackett become a, a big story, even bigger than Aaron Rodgers? Or just you know give us some insight as to how this is working out. You're absolutely right. They did not want it. They made that very clear publicly, and it was kind of to use Aaron Rodgers' words, forced down their throat. So I think they're trying to make the best of the situation. Uh, certainly they've provided enough fodder for uh, for the first episode of Hard Knocks. I think absolutely this Hackett thing will be, uh, will be one of the storylines in the first episode. I mean, journalistically, it would be a huge faux pas if they don't include it. I mean, that's good stuff. And the other – yeah, the cameras are everywhere. I mean, you look – like the other day on Sunday, Dalvin Cook was, was visiting the Jets. He was watching from the practice field. Everywhere he walked on the practice field, there was a boom mic over his head following him around. He was talking to the owner, Woody Johnson, on the sideline, and there was a camera and a boom mic, you know, eavesdropping on their conversation. So I'm sure that's going to be in the first episode. So, yeah, I mean, it, they're everywhere. Um, they're in the meeting rooms. Of course, we don't have access to the meeting rooms, but they're in the meeting rooms. And one of the reasons why the Jets didn't want it, and this is they haven't said so publicly, they have their own in-house version of Hard Knocks. They call it One Jets Drive. It's an in-house um, 
you know, production. And they do a really good job with it and, and behind-the-scenes stuff. So it's almost like a competitor, Hard Knocks. So they're competing for content with Hard Knocks. So I, and it's going to take away viewers probably from their own production. So I think that was part of it as well. Do they ever interview media people like yourself, somebody who's been around the program for a long, long time and has some pretty good insight? Do, you, do they come up and ask you any questions? No, they don't want guys like me on there. I mean, they'd rather see Aaron Rodgers and, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, important people. I mean, they film us in the press conference. Every press conference is is filmed, you know. So I guess there's a possibility of a question we ask getting on in Hard Knocks. I remember in 2010, I got on for asking a question. Uh, at the time, you guys might recall it was a very, very ugly holdout going on with Darrell Revis um, kind of reminds me of the situation now in Indianapolis with Jonathan Taylor. I mean, it was a really ugly holdout, and I asked the question of the owner, which got on hard knocks. So there's that possibility, but no, there's, there have been no one-on-ones uh, with me, that's for sure. You know what I'm curious about? If they get a one-on-one with C.J. Mosley, we covered C.J. for many, many years. Very quiet, doesn't like to be interviewed, lets his play do his talking. I'd be curious if they're able to get anything out of CJ. Yeah, CJ is a great guy. I mean, he is so well respected on the Jets. He's the captain. And, uh, you know, you're right. He is on the quiet side. And CJ likes to lead by example. But I think that's what people respect about him. And uh, I, I think. I mean, look, you're not going to see C.J. probably standing up in a meeting and yelling and screaming and doing stuff like that in hard knocks, but um, I'm sure they'll work him into the story somehow because he is such an important part of their defense. I think another storyline, and I've heard some people reference, is Zach Wilson, his mindset, one-time starting quarterback, that takes a back seat. And, of course, you know, Wilson had his moments last year, not very good. Have you had a chance to talk to him about Rodgers being there and about the fact that he'll probably be sitting down most of the year if Rodgers stays healthy? Yeah, we uh, the Jets have been very protective of, of Zach Wilson since Rodgers came aboard. So we did talk to Zach Wilson in June at the end of OTAs and um, not since then. Uh, we were hoping to speak with him yesterday because he is starting on Thursday night, tomorrow night. He's going to start against Cleveland He'll probably start the first three preseason. He'll probably start every preseason. Well, maybe not the last one, but he's going to play a lot in the preseason. But they did not make him available yesterday. And I can tell you from the one time we talked to him in June, he just seemed so relaxed. He just seemed like the weight of the world was off his shoulders. He's not the guy anymore. I'm sure there's a part of him that is hurt that he's not the guy anymore. But – He's also a backseat to a future Hall of Fame quarterback, so I think in his mind he can justify it that way. He played terribly last year. There's there's no two ways about it. I mean, the Jets have even have said that publicly. He was bad, and he was going to be replaced, and he knew it, and he happened to be replaced by a, you know a outstanding all-time great quarterback. And so, yeah, this is an important preseason for Zach Wilson because. The last time we saw him, he was getting booed off the field in a, in a night game against Jacksonville. You know, So I'm sure that left some scars. I'm really curious to see how he does tomorrow night. How have, what's 
been Rodgers like in practice? And I don't mean talking. I'm talking about throwing because, as you mentioned, he probably won't see any or a little bit of playing time. And I don't get that because, you know, he's got a whole new receivers to work with and so forth. Granted, some he had in Green Bay. But still, the feel of the game, if he doesn't play much in preseason, so all he's really got to go on is in practice, how does, how's that going so far? Yeah, he looks fine in practice. You're right about the receivers. They haven't, they've had a revolving door there at receiver. They just haven't had their guys healthy at the same time. Uh, they've had, Garrett Wilson's been out a few days. He, he turned his ankle. I fully expect him to be practicing on Saturday. Corey Davis was out with an illness. He's finally back. Lazard was out for a few days with a, a pulled muscle, but he's back now. And so I think come Saturday, their full complement of receivers will be available. And so that's a good thing. He can start building chemistry with them. They do have four joint practices. They have two next week against Carolina and two the following week against Tampa Bay. Uh, the coaches really rely on those joint practices a lot, even though they're not contact, of course. But you, you do get to see different teams, different coverages, and those are very helpful for a quarterback in particular. So I think the, the way they're going to approach Rodgers, and Rodgers has not played in the preseason, by the way, since 2018. So he usually doesn't do it. And I think the only reason they would play him in the last preseason game is if they feel like the offense just hasn't been clicking and hasn't had enough work, then they could use him in the last game. They will defer to Rodgers. I mean, if Rodgers wants to play, they're going to play him. So I, I do think there, he said yesterday, he goes, I wouldn't mind playing in the preseason. So if he wants, he does whatever he wants to do. So if he wants to play in the preseason, he'll play at some point. Got to ask you, this is speculation, Rich. You've been, you know, you've covered this league for a long time. Just out of curiosity, we know Buffalo's good. Miami, if Tua can stay healthy, they've certainly got a pretty good nucleus. If the Jets live up to all the hype, is it possible that the Patriots could finish last in that division? Yeah, no question. Uh, I mean, the Patriots are probably the least balanced of all those teams. Now, the Patriots have a really good defense. I mean, they have, a, in my opinion, a top five defense that probably doesn't get a whole lot of publicity. They just don't have a lot of big names. They have Matthew Judon and a lot of really solid players, but they are uh, woefully devoid of explosive talent on offense. I mean, They'll be better this year because they actually have an offensive coordinator, you know, calling plays. Uh, Mac Jones should be better this year, but they don't have a whole lot of skill position talent at wide receiver. Uh, they're they're okay at tight end, and their running back's okay. But So, yeah, I think for sure the Patriots could end up finished last this year. Um, shocking to say, right? I mean, Bill Belichick coach team, but – yeah, they're, they're, to me, they're like a very middle-of-the-road-ish kind of team, maybe eight or nine wins. Hey, man, great stuff. We can't thank you enough. No, it's a busy time. Uh, it's always great to catch up with you. Uh, have a great season. It sounds like it's going to be fun. It'll be fun. Thanks, guys. Take yep. care. It's Rich Semeny from ESPN Jets Reporter. Rich Semeny. All right, one final segment of the day. You guys can jump in at 694-1055. It's the opening kickoff right here on the Sports Station, WNSP. Everybody, this is Gabe Gross, and you're listening to WNSP 105.5.
mentioning, you know, about our fall party coming up on August the 17th at Heroes in Westmobile, right across from uh, South Alabama. In fact, if you continued along uh, Hillcrest, you go right into the uh, complex with the uh, Jag Stadium. They will be beginning practice on Friday. Auburn and Alabama they start up tomorrow, so certainly a lot of football to talk about. As we told you, the NFL preseason. I know people say, well, I don't want to watch preseason, but you know what? There's a reason they put the games on, and I'm sure people are pretty excited about just having football on these days. Now, so like I've said this about, um, I've said this about football. Uh, during the season, if, I don't, if there's not a team that I have a vested interest in, I'm just not watching it. What makes preseason different, though, is you want to see that first rounder. You want to see that guy that 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 went to the school that you're a fan of. You, so I I think people tune in. They probably don't sit there and watch it from start to finish, but you know guys are going to want to watch that first unit, and then you're going to want to see that mid round draft choice from your school or whatever. So I get the allure of, of preseason uh, football in the NFL. Yeah, I'm kind of curious. Let's say with let's say Carolina, Bryce Young. Obviously, he's never taken a snap in a game. We talk about how you try to protect the quarterbacks. Rich Simony told us about Rodgers doesn't play in preseason games. But if you're a rookie like Bryce Young, don't you have to play him at least a few plays every game just to get his feet wet? Do you just hold him back until the first regular season game? That doesn't seem fair. I'd play him. I would, too. I'd get him as many reps as humanly possible. Exactly. I'd play him as um, at least a first quarter, if not more, just to get his feet wet, just to get feel the feel of it, the speed of the game. Get acclimated because, gosh, you don't want to go from the practice field right into your first regular season game. Now, I'd play him as much as I could, you know, maybe a half or something like that. Uh, give him reps, as many reps as he can get. You've designated him as your number one quarterback. You got Andy Dalton backing him up. So I'm sure Dalton will play, but you're not going to play Dalton every single play. Now, you know what, you know what that dude can do and what he can't do. At least I do. Oh, you do? Oh yeah. You're the talent evaluator now. No, nah, he spent a little time in the Big Easy, so I'm I'm fully aware of his he limitations. Had, but he actually had a pretty good career with Cincinnati. I mean, they went to the playoffs every year. They just couldn't get past that yeah, first wasn't game. Wasn't that like 12 years ago or something? Feels like it was 12 years ago. His problem, not his problem so much, but the team's problem, they could never get past that first game in the postseason. Uh, good news. I got you some information on your the recliner we're giving away. I know you were very specific about the type of recliner. Which button or handle? It, 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 uh, it appears it's an adjustable hands-free recline, so you can kind of do that whole, like, lean back kind thing, of like and it pops up. It's got the 360-degree, 360-degree swivel. That's huge, by the way. That's big. I'm a big fan of my recliner being able to swivel. And memory foam setting. Ho-ho! How about that? So it spins around? Yeah. Hence the 360 swivel. Wow. You ever had a recliner that swivels? No, oh, I never you even knew it existed. You haven't lived, Lee Shrevanian. I didn't know that. Yeah. So yeah. if you had a TV in front of you and in back of you, you could just spin around and... Yeah, or you surround, could, is that like surround screen or whatever? Yeah, I guess if you had it on the same. Ultimate man cave. Multiple TVs on every wall in the room. Right. And then you're swiveling recliner right there in the middle. Right. And you just are rotating constantly. Yeah. And a barf bag on the right. You could probably build your own like IMAX theater, Disney World ride. Hmm. You get all the screens to 
line up and play the same thing from a different angle. <laughs> <laughs> Be sitting there watching your Pac-12 on Apple TV on a Saturday at 11 o'clock oh, at night. I, I, I Wife spent. starts yelling at you. You can spin around and ignore. That's right. Sorry, honey. Couldn't hear you. Look, I, I've had... And this, this part had, of it can be yours if you come out to our fall football preview on August 17th I right there at Heroes. I can't imagine Pac-12 Pac leaders being enthusiastic about Apple TV. I just can't. I, I, I'd be okay if you had others. Like if you had, well, we're on Fox. I got this contract with Fox and ESPN. Look, Plus we'll have games on Apple they too. Don't, these guys don't care what streaming service or what channel they're on as long as the number's right. And if I'm a Pac-12, what I'm concerned about, based on the reports, is that it's going to be subscription-based, that number. No, I need guaranteed money in the hand. And if you can't get it for me, then I'll go somewhere else. The problem is, is anybody paying? Someone in the app said, dude, just go to, like, TBS or TNT. Are they willing? I don't care if I'm on TNT, USA Network. The Oxygen Channel. I don't care as long as somebody's paying me top dollar for my brand. They're showing reruns of Everybody Loves Raymond. They're not about to show no Pac-12. I don't know. They're big into Marvel movies, man. I don't know how much Marvel's getting from TNT. Them, there's a Marvel movie on every night. Every night. Well, yeah, Marvel was on that? last night. Uh, was it Ant-Man? Or was that two nights ago? Ant-Man and the Wasp were on. It was like double feature, double header. Yeah, that's a good one to end on. TBS good strong, used, good TBS strong segment used there. to do more sports. <laughs> I've, they've kind of backed off of that. Um, of course, TNT is more into basketball. But I'm telling you, th this thing with the Pac-12, we talked about this at length yesterday. If Arizona bolts for the Big 12, and then that leaves Arizona State kind of hanging because they're kind of linked by the same Board of Regions. You wonder about the survival of the Pac-12. If that's the best the guy can come up with as a streaming service that is based on subscriptions. Welcome to the group of five, Pac-12. There's plenty of room. All right, we're out of time. We'll be back tomorrow at 6 a.m. Thanks to all of you who joined us. Uh, until tomorrow at 6, see ya! Thank you.